Let's go! Welcome to the episode seventy nine. Plot shot Overwatch. They say they say on YouTube that within the first five seconds, a viewer has decided whether or not it has decided whether or not to continue based on the audio involved. Goodbye to fifty percent of you. (laughs) (laughs) You're gone. Uh, Jaws is joining us once again. He's gracious, graciously gracious with his presence. Mm, Your Um, grace. And uh, and we got everybody else as well, who's normally on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaws is actually. just part of Pat Chat now. He, he's he's like a mainstay. Yeah, not really, but mm-hmm. almost. The Thanks, the uh, what <laughs> what else are we talking about? Oh yeah, we've actually got news to talk about this week. Um, the drought is over. Yes, much great. like California, we're now flooded. Is California flooded? Yeah, it's under no. ocean. What? Oh, just, yeah, it's the the sea I'm levels on the third have rise. Floor, bro. Second floor's gone. Is it yeah. raining at the moment in Cali? Oh, no. it's tipping it down every single day. It did rain like five times in two weeks. It was crazy. That's good, though. Yeah. I mean, you don't get much rain in Cali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it's the sign of the end of times. <laughs> yeah. The and state is actually Cali, green now. We're talking about the latest Californian team that's been announced on Weibo. Oh. The Los Angeles Valley. <laughs> that's that's cool. classic Californian <laughs> yes, local classic website. Local, local team. Using, you know, the local channels to announce their their team to the American audiences. Now, By the way, have they still anu- have they announced it yet on Twitter? When this is posted, maybe. I'm because I but no. From when, from the point of which we're recording, they have not announced it on Twitter. <laughs> They've only announced it on Weibo. What is so, going on? Uh, yeah, we're actually going to discuss the Los Angeles Valiant <laughs> in this episode. Instead of doing a separate team preview, we're just gonna we're gonna talk about a team now um, because they've announced their full Chinese roster, and I um, <laughs> it's given me. Valiant hasn't tweeted in a month. Yeah, I just month. I don't think they have anyone managing the account. Personally. They, it, the organization looks like they're on the way out of esports, and this roster was just a middle finger to the to the fucking scene. Yeah. It's 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 so unfortunate because as well, it's not like like the. I agree with the sentiment that you should never blame the players that are picked up. Right, like the focus of the. The distaste around Valiant shouldn't go towards the players. But some of these players as well are just... They shouldn't have been picked up for this situation. Mm -hmm. It's not even like the best that you could make. Like, the fucking Crystal and a player that hasn't played since 2018. Mm -hmm. It's actually just a fucking joke. Yeah, It's a bad joke. It gives me nostalgia to season one. In a certain sense, yeah, where we saw yeah, the weaknesses of the Overwatch buy-in system come to light with the yeah. Shanghai Dragons, and it's right. unfortunate, really, because it's it just um, it, it all it does is showcase the worst aspects of the system that we exist in with the Overwatch League, where teams there's no relegation, teams yeah. can't fall down. It's literally based off of every team wanting to be involved into a certain degree and like taking it as equally as seriously as one another and when you have one team that doesn't it brings the whole it brings the whole thing down uh, yeah, honestly it does. To, a, to an extent because yeah. the team owner, i guarantee you the other team owners are not happy about this entire situation whatsoever no. like you don't want anything that's going to be harming the competitive integrity of the Overwatch League or the reputation either and the reputation of it exactly and what the I, I'm going to say the Valiant, even though the Valiant as an entity now is like 
the the IGC they're gone like they're trying to exit esports in general they're trying to they're trying to go uh, and this this roster has been fielded as essentially it feels like just a bit of a kick in the teeth honestly to to Overwatch League okay. fans Here, here's the thing though Ben okay here's the thing okay from by all accounts it seems like and correct me if I'm wrong that they want to be like this kind of like merch cool brand kind of thing like hundred thieves face clan is that is that correct you know that's sort of what, I, what i've been reading IGC? The gist i'm getting really yeah. that wasn't my impression my impression was that they just wanted to get they into just, they just want to leave i thought they were get, trying to get into service providing so like right. whether for example like um what was the product that they kept talking about it was like they'd gone into internet cafes and they were selling a service to like people that were in internet cafes in Brazil or something. I can't fucking remember, but there was there was like some huh? some product, some service that they had created that I think they were seeing success out of. This is incredibly vague because I've forgotten exactly what the what the <laughs> thing was. But I thought they were moving into like service providing for for gaming. Well, they sell them than... food in PC bunks. <laughs> no, not food. They're not becoming a fucking catering service. Like <laughs> they're gonna rehire Caribbean Agilities to make snacks for everybody. Big snacks, yeah, snack time. The, yeah, I don't, I don't know the, I don't think they're trying to become like a streetwear merch brand because. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean uh, you need a good reputation for that. Yeah, yeah you and, do. And branding and stuff. Um, whole, so whole I'm reading a VentureBeat article here, and RCL mentions their Gamers Club platform, which is like a Brazilian thing, it seems like. Okay, that so I think is the thing that I was trying to remember, but failed. Yeah. What, what is that? Uh, I mean, I, I just read about it, so I don't know oh, entirely. Right. Right. This is one of those parts where it's like, oh, Platchat doesn't know what they're talking about. It's like, yeah, because I'm not really into Brazilian esports platforms. But yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the main takeaway from this is that the roster's been announced. The players are here. Uh, and I, I want to give a shout out as well to um, Is Jay a Name on Reddit because mm -hmm. they've been doing a lot of this. Um, they've been kind of like almost the mouthpiece of the Chinese scene for, ah. for the competitive Overwatch subreddit and like that western side of things and they've been providing like their own opinion pieces on the players and other stuff providing that background information cool which is quite helpful to try and like get to know this team especially when it feels like this almost frankenstein mess of players playing off roles yeah. players who haven't played the game in years you got crystal for some reason <laughs> how has he snuck his way in this roster that is a mystery to me. What an unbelievable bag getter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. We'll go, if we can that take a look crazy. at the overall roster, um, I'll start things off by, by saying that immediately, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this by saying, well, maybe they can get a win or two. No. They're, they're, I don't think they're going to be getting wins. Uh, and I think... I think if, if I was a betting man and I had the capability of putting money on a team going Norton 16, yeah. I'd put... This is it, baby. I, I, yeah, I would put my grandmother's house on it. The I, thing I would say there's better it, odds. Like, it's, there's, it's more likely they don't get a win than them getting, like, two wins. Yeah. Ooh, that's an interesting one, is. actually. Because cause I feel like they'll probably get a win somewhere. But I think I've no. still got the mentality of, like, the old season one schedule where it was so statistically improbable that Shanghai what never got a win. I mean, that was like yeah. ludicrously yeah. improbable that they never got a win when they were still able to get maps here and there, but they could never string it together into one out of 40 attempts. But when you only have 16, 
it becomes more probable. Which it's is why, actually, yeah. which is why I would there, there bet is my grandmother's a house. Very big probability that yeah. they're just going to end up with uh, zero, and every other team in the APAC region is rubbing their hands together, going free win, baby, let's go. I mean, yeah. Good night. I I think um, I have had this question in my Twitch chat though of people asking me, is this team going to be worse than season one Shanghai Dragons, and I can't get on board with that just yet. You like, mean just even, if you're purely only looking at the teams? Well, comparing Season 1 Shanghai to this team, well, the Valiant. Yeah, there's like two ways of looking at it, right? You can look sure. at it, are they literally better? Like, would they beat Season 1 Shanghai? <clears throat> Which I think any competent team, like three years in the future, should be able to beat sure. Season 1 yeah, Shanghai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, it would be atrocious if you couldn't because you have three years of extra experience unless your name is nevermind in which case you only have the experience of 2018 because you stopped playing at that point um but <laughs> was he still playing solo queue i don't know he must have been right like there's I mean, no way so. they're just like who have you got in your phone but oh i got this old guy that i really liked playing with just ring him up baby but but sorry the the yeah, other way no. of looking at it with comparing this Valiant to, to Season 1 Shanghai Dragons is, are they going to be worse compared to their competition? So Season 1 Shanghai Dragons had an atrociously low map win percentage, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't literally zero, right? Like if you sure. fielded an actual diamond team in the Overwatch League, they would literally go zero. They would not win a single yeah. map. Yeah. They, they, there would be no chance, no hope, nothing. Um, so season one Shanghai Dragons were actually competitive in some of their maps, some of their matches. Didn't they average like one map per series or something? I think so. Yeah, yeah and there was yeah. Some, there was some series where they came close. Yeah, like this. Yeah, when yeah. when you think about the overall strength of the Overwatch League in season one, which the Shanghai Dragons were in, there were teams where they could on a day get a win, and that's what made the statistical probability of them getting zero wins out of forty. Yeah, so ridiculous it was because there were many moments where they could have done that, and the strength of the teams in some cases they were just only a little bit above them. Yeah, like in certain yeah. cases. In this case, every team is either stepping up or side grading in some manner or form. Yes. The Overwatch League has gotten more competitive this year than I would argue than it has in the entirety of its existence. Yeah, because you've got teams like the Outlaws who are stepping up, teams like Dallas who are stepping up. I mean, yeah, they're going to be in a different division, but overall, yeah. you look at it. Even in the, the back region is insane. APAC region is nuts. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this team is going to struggle because they're going up against this increased competition. There's less games in the season. And it just feels like looking at it internally, it's a recipe for disaster. But do you well, want to continue your point? I wanted, to, I wanted to just pose you guys the question then. Do you agree with that? Do you think that if we, if we discount the idea of them literally being worse than Shanghai Dragons, because they should, they should be better. It's three years in the future. Uh, do you think they will have a worse record than Shanghai Dragons? They can never go Norton 40 because there aren't 40 games. But in terms of like the only map valuable metric you could use to compare, in my opinion, is map win percentage probably. Sure. Do you think it's reasonable that they could get a lower map win percentage than Shanghai Dragons in Season 1? Uh, yeah. Which I think was like 1.5 maps per Quite out possible. of four. Something like that. Considering Nevermind has probably not seen half the champions that are, or heroes that are in the game now, sure. he probably doesn't know what Echo is. <laughs> I mean, realistically, yeah, I don't think... Uh, realistically, yeah, I think there is a big possibility that they go even worse than what the Dragons could. Obviously, I'm joking about Nevermind and 
there clearly has been small amounts of scouting here and there you know i mean i'm not entirely sure well, how the pickup process for this team had, been, had gone but uh i just want to preface it's uh it's a joke haha <laughs> it's funny you can like the video if you think it's funny i mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I care being serious though yeah the, the likelihood of them going um you know zero and however many maps they do play yeah i think that's quite high because like bren said every single year overwatch league gets better and better and the game just evolves even more with the amount of heroes getting added in and the kind of just everybody naturally getting better as you see in every single game every year every year every year um so yeah they, they they're probably going to go zero in i don't know how many maps well, they're, they're going to have to play well, but it, yeah the minimum number of maps they'll have to play is 48 right if they play 16 games okay. and they get three nilled each time then minimum would be 48. And if they're able I, to... I mean, 0 and 48 if, would be... If they go 8 and 40, I will be like, good job. Good right, job. because I, I feel like it's incredibly unlikely that they'll actually go 0 and 48. Yeah. Uh, and Shanghai, this, if we're like, saying they got like no one win out of four, I guess Shanghai would be punting for like 10 map wins over the course of the, the season. What are you thinking, Jonathan? I would bet lower. A hundred percent, okay? Here's the difference maker. For starters, as we already mentioned, the APAC region is nuts, okay? Like, if you were making rankings, I guess the second worst team would be, like, New York. But even then, people are, like, rating New York high because they're like, well, they have tons of young talent that could really pop off. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that New York is the second worst team, but they reasonably could be, right? And at the same time, like, Shanghai... They had those weaker teams in Season 1 to win maps against. They got two against the Florida Mayhem on a couple of occasions, I think. Dallas Fuel was a mess. San Francisco Shock was a mess. I mean, there were those opponents where you could get some maps wins in. Who are they going to take maps off? Who? Like, on this field? Who? Like, themselves. are they getting one from Their New greatest York? Enemy yeah, they could take themselves. one from New York. They could take one from maybe, I don't know, Hangzhou? One yeah. from Guangzhou? It's I like, don't. It's, I, it's I so don't hard. I... I, I have a slightly more um, positive, optimistic view of it when I look at uh, the Valiant here, where I think that they're likely to have a pretty similar record to, to the Season 1 Shanghai Dragons, or I don't know, maybe even a tad better. Because no, they'd need to play against like the likes of Houston and Paris for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, the, the reason that I'm staying optimistic about their chances rather than just writing them off completely is that... Um, the there are there is a lot of there are a lot of teams in the APAC region that have made big changes this year, and I think that some of those rosters it won't lead to consistency, and we don't know exactly like how that'll play out. Like maybe maybe the Guangzhou Charge, for example, at the moment look like they're very good in a rush meta. Maybe they're not going to be as good when it gets to some kind of um, Pokia meta or, or like a, a Genji based meta. I, I don't know. Eileen is actually pretty good at that. But um, maybe the, the Soul Dynasty will have like one of those terrible weeks where they just look awful and they don't have a read on the meta at all. Maybe Hangzhou will mismanage their roster and they can squeak map wins away from teams in that kind of okay, way. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm following you. Okay, that that is like the narrative of someone who would defend this roster. But I'll ask you a more in-depth question. <laughs> Who is going to win those maps for them? Wea? Okay. It's Crystal? The... Maybe. You know, there's a couple of good players on this roster with, like, mechanical skill. Yeah. But who? I think it's just 
Crystal and Milan Run yeah, are the people it's the that DPS I line. yeah, and that's because not only is Chinese Overwatch very DPS based when you get down to the the like tier two teams because it's the the difference between normal Chinese Overwatch and elite Chinese Overwatch is always the the like team play and the tank lines and they're very few and far between the elite tank players and the teams with great synergy. It's mostly just a shit ton of cracked out DPS players, and I think. Crystal definitely fits into that. Like, as much as you can be worried about the baggage that Crystal brings and the PR and the fucking whatever else, the guy was legitimately cracked out when he was in the server. And sure. Mulanran's been pretty good as well. He hasn't been amazing, but he's been good enough to be able to take wins on maps sometimes if they find a meta that really suits them and it's all about the DPS. The situations are really few and far between, but the, if you have minimum 48 chances, some of them are going to work, probably. Yeah. Possibly. I say I, say I predict they'll win five maps all season. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm predicting eight. I'm not going to predict the maps, because I... Oh. That, what, you, that, I what, uh, you want me to? Yeah. I, I, you don't have to. I'm a piece of shit, and that's why I, I think. Yeah. But you don't I'm, have looking, to. <laughs> I'm looking at the rest of APAC, and I'm thinking, are they going to get one? No, I mean, I mean because that I is mean, statistically that is fucking crazy. As a map type, they're, well, they're, like absolutely. Well, it's fucking. It's mental though, because the concept of them not getting a single map is also on the premise that. They don't add any additional players. Other teams don't also have their own missteps. Yes. Which yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, not yeah. going to happen. They're going to probably get a map somewhere along yeah, the line. that's what but I'm I saying. I look eight. at this roster, and I feel like it has... If you were to make the perfect team that was just going to implode, <laughs> this would be it. Because I was looking this shit up. Like, you've got MVM, who hasn't played the game. I want to give everybody the wider context of this Yeah, team, let's go of through the, the problems. Team, yeah here that this team is going to face because the, the shining lights is going to be the dps line Milanran and uh, and crystal the two individuals as a dps okay fantastic they could be good but we're immediately coming up to an obstacle and that is crystal <laughs> to those of you who don't know about crystal this is a guy who was he was on the hongjo charge it's like hongjo spark oh my god a hongjo charge hongjo spark and he ended up Leaving to go to China, using the excuse that his mother was sick, yeah. which ended up being a lie, and he was actually there to see his girlfriend and just decided to ignore all contact from those trying to contact him from the Hongzhou Spark. Yep, yep. Um, just mad respect, brother. So <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that that respect. tweet? Ended up getting into legal battles with the same team. Yeah, I believe so, and yeah. From the, I don't know how it was resolved, yeah, by I the have way. no idea how this was resolved, but essentially this guy was just... He was just done. He was done in the Overwatch League, in the Overwatch scene. Wasn't going to see... No one was going to give him the time of day. PR nightmare. People don't like him in China. People don't like him over here in like the Western scene, that perspective of it. It is... He's just a bit of a nightmare player. Now, he's a good player. I think he won my award of like the bench player of the year <laughs> without playing yeah. because, because he was literally... Because he's a, he is a good player, but he just doesn't... He's never going to see play time. How did you give him that award, man? How did you give he him didn't that Because he's a bench player. He didn't say play time. But we know he's good. But he didn't play. I mean, Super's a bench player and you gave it to well, Crystal. No, no, no. But, 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 but I, when I say bench player, I mean no play time. Right. Okay, you know what I mean? No play time Like Joe all. Meister, a yes. vast level. So that's, that's yeah. issue number one, okay? 
Issue number two, I think, if, you, if we could pull up the roster as well, Kurt. If we take a look at this tank line now. Now, they've got three tanks. Um, Shou Cheng and Silver 3, I think, are kind of like mediocre. They've had reasonable performances. Silver 3, I have watched quite a bit of over the years in Chinese contenders. And I thought he looked all right. Yeah, he's all, I mean. like, he's, he's all right. He's okay. Um, but then we get to this third, this third player here, NVM, who you may have heard us m mentioning. Never mind. Um, Hasn't played the game since 2018. Professionally. Yeah, yeah, and... I'm assuming he's installed the game since then and played it. That's the bit. thing. I don't, know, I don't know anything about look it. Look at this match history. I mean, this isn't updated because I don't think OverGG was following um, like the Chinese scene at that point when he was playing. Yeah. So I, they're not going to have that information. Do Maybe they have it on Wikipedia? Wikipedia? But I don't know. Dude, there he's, is no way he's not been playing Q. There are a lot of players he, that aren't in Overwatch League that okay. you're the thought of like retired from the game completely that are playing like NAQ, sure. you know? He may... Like, okay, so he might be on the ladder. But he hasn't played professionally since 2018. Ladder. And even when he did play in 2018, the man was a walking alt battery. He charged <laughs> the enemy team up. He would, you, If you were facing against him, you immediately got a fucking plus 10% win, like, <laughs> chance. Just like a lucky little charm in a gacha game. He just, you put him on the enemy team and you're just doing well off the back of it. I don't know how much playtime he's going to get. There, I think people were speculating that he's on this team. Um as just to fill in the seven player limit. Oh, it's, it's never more. Oh, never, 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 oh, never more. Oh, from like Dota. More, uh, uh. Dude, it's from Dota. Same with like Roshan. Maybe that's a fucking ill omen. I don't that know. is an ill omen. That is actually. a really <laughs> ill omen. Oh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, is, is, this, is this Roshan in witness protection? He's no, just come back as Nevermore. So. I don't think so. Now, that's, that's one of the problems. But the weirdest thing is that they could have a very competent off tank. But instead, they've decided, this is obstacle number three, by the way, they've instead put Hybe, who is an off-tank player, on main support for this team. And this is where, listen, I'm not too well-versed. This is when I was just doing my research. But the general consensus from a lot of fans is that, god damn, this is just a massive waste of potential um, yeah. for, for this individual player. I mean, it's, it's similar to the kind of shit when Kuki was playing main support. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're never going to see results when he is playing an off-role if he's got no experience in this shit. Now, you've got Wire, Weir. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't know how to pronounce who, the name, but I, I thought... Uh, I, I, don't, yeah, I, cannot, I can't even recall if they played when Wire was playing for the charge because he was playing alongside Shu. So I think he played, like, one game or something like that. I think he got playtime. Yeah, but... Again, that's another bright spot if you are to look at that for this team. But I've provided you the overall context. Three issues that could that could fuck this team over and prevent them from getting a single win. And I think it's likely that two of them happen. The, so you're the, saying you're a, so you're saying you're a Valiant fan, bro. I'm the, listen, all I'm I'm trying fan, to I'm setting the word. context because I think there's some people who don't know just how just the the amount of issues that this team has. And again, if you are a Valiant fan, I need to reiterate this as well. Try not to take it too much out on the players themselves. Yeah, I want to um, shoot the players a bit of bail here too because the the players that got picked up for this, and also I want to shoot bail a little bit to LGE, who are the Chinese um, organization responsible, presumably, for putting this roster together. Sure. Because, first of all, we already know from people like Dia that there was a sentiment that was popular with at least some players that they were worried to join the LA Valiant yeah. for their career's sake. They don't want to, you don't want to tarnish your reputation by joining a losing squad. And especially for somebody like Dia, who's already had that experience with the Shanghai Dragons prior, that would just boom you completely. So yeah. I, I, 
I can understand why the Valiant, and more specifically LGE, might have been unable to put together the best roster of Footnote, free agents possible. Valiant's fault. Maybe they shouldn't have dropped their roster last minute and made this transition. Absolutely. So, footnote. Absolutely. But that's not the fault of the players and arguably no. not that much of the fault of LGE either, either because the Valiant themselves made the decision. But I, I also want to... Um, want to... Uh, what was, the, what was the next thing that I wanted to talk about as well? I fucking remember. But the, yeah, the, 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 the players themselves are going to be in a super hard spot this year. And I think that um, even though the support for the Valiant itself is going to be at an all-time low. Oh, that was the other reason, actually. The other reason that I wanted to shoot a little bit of bail to LGE is because Halo reported that Thor was going to join this team, a main support that would have presumably allowed Hybe to continue playing off-tank. Mm -hmm. And mm. Halo said that one of the reasons that he thinks that that fell through is because the Valiant are not looking for people that have buyouts. They're not willing to pay any amount of buyout. They just wanted literally... Uh, minimum value roster possible as mandated by the league we're going to pay the the absolute minimum value for for this team and uh, there's not that much that lge can do about that if you've been given the reins for a team but daddy won't give you the pocket money what you're going to do like you're just the your hands are tied in that sense and you're going to end up putting together a roster that looks like shit uh, yeah i mean if we want to talk how they could turn this roster around Obviously, signing a couple of those players still in uh, Chinese containers is one of those, like, the uh, super rich is super still rich, not picked up yeah. by the, Yeah, who's a fantastic main support. Um, so if you got that, then you could transition high B into, like, an off-tank role, um, and I think he would do better than Shou Cheng. So that seems to be the general consensus. You know, don't... I'm sorry, don't who's like housing but, a bird? What? <laughs> Can anybody hear... A bird? Bird? No, there's no bird here. Sorry? Oh, it's me! <laughs> <laughs> what? These, what? These, these headphones have like, no, uh, if I click a button, I can, oh, what's it called? Uh, feedback or whatever? Yeah. So I can hear myself out loud. I'm, hitting, I'm like, Johnny, is your dog like squeaking a toy or something and shaking it around? Because <laughs> I can hear her squeaking. I can hear like a budgie, but it's coming out from outside my window and it's coming through my headset. Because <laughs> it has... <laughs> Yes. I thought this I was going guy. crazy. I was like, how's no one picked up on this? There's like a bunny <laughs> in someone's house. What a Christ. replacement for Matt. You think I'm down in the coal mines, like digging a <laughs> hole and there's a budgie in a cage? Bloody what? hell. All right. Sorry, Johnny. Sorry, mate. Carry on. Carry no, on. I, I'm just, <laughs> I think it's, hell. I actually think when I look at this that it's early days. Because, I mean, the way this was just, this, this, this just happened, you know, I didn't see the, what's it on us on Weibo? I didn't see the Weibo yeah. post personally. Like, there's this Twitter account that I think follows the scene and tweets out, that, like the Weibo post and stuff, uh, of Watch Beacon or something. Yeah. Like, I, I haven't seen the post myself. I don't know how credible it is, but I must say that LA Valiant announced it, okay? But the fact that they haven't announced the LA Valiant roster in North America, I don't know if they intend to, but maybe they're having like second thoughts like what are we doing here why is an off tank on main support you know just look mm. at the tweets and replies on this account it's sad it I, really I, is but i don't think I, I someone's do think working there they, like someone said earlier i don't think they, they have someone to man this twitter no yeah, probably they not. Might not there might could not. be a couple of ways for them to fix things okay so my five map prediction it could change if they add one or two more players to actually run it out because then it's not horrible 
then you have a couple of things that are going I mean, for you. They are, we are so late in the off-season right now. I know that it might not feel... It might feel like we're stuck in, in an eternal purgatory <laughs> in the off-season. Just the content drought and the desert is all around us. But there is an oasis on the horizon, and it's approaching fast. I mean, what are we looking at here? We're looking at less than a month. What, three and a half weeks or something? Until... Yeah. Until the season Super begins, close. it's April sixteenth. Yeah, I mean, it's what is it? It's three weeks half, until yeah. it's three weeks until the week that the season begins. That's that is not much time to 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 start, you know, trying to find new players and it's uh, unreal. And and you don't have an attractive uh, angle at the moment if you're trying to find players to join the Valiant. You're not pitching them on some seasons of success. You're not pitching them with a large amount of money. You're not pitching them on any kind of large fan attention. You're going to be joining the most hated team in the league, at least in terms wow. of the, the organization, sorry. The most hated organization in the league at the moment. You're going to be joining for minimum salary, salary presumably. Your org isn't getting a buyout, so go fucking whistle if you're looking for one of those. And you're probably going to lose the majority of your games. Who's going to want to join? No one. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, the, this is, and this is why I can see that a lot of the fans have a problem with the league as well and their decision-making that's allowed this to occur. But I think that I, come, I keep coming back to this idea in my head of, like, thinking about what rules should the league put in place to avoid this from happening? And I think that most of the way the Overwatch League has operated so far is assuming that the orgs are going to act in good faith yeah. for the continued health of their own organization. If you're buying in, it's like you, you want everybody to be taking it as seriously as each other. Yeah. Uh, like each it's bad team, for every other team, yeah. If you have bought into this concept, you clearly believe in it and you want it to succeed, so you're not going to do actions that would actively harm it and bring down the rest of the league. Yeah, and, and instead it's like they've just taken... I mean, they've just taken a, a knife to their own face. They're just yeah. chopping their nose off, chopping their ears off. And it's like, oh, could, you, could you stop that? It's like, no, actually, no laws against this. I'm going to continue to sabotage myself. It's, it's, a, it's a sad situation, but I'm also not exactly sure what realistically and practically the league should have done differently on the approach to this point. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's a very difficult situation because the way, like, COVID has impacted everything as well. You know, I'm sure a lot of teams' plans has changed around. I'm a big believer in, like, financial incentives. If there's one way to, like, make it so sliding that, like, if you're bad and you're not, like, putting in the work or time or money, that you really get, like, I don't want to say pe uh, penalized, but, like, you, you get way less uh, of the cake. Uh, whether that's, like price pool or probably more importantly like broadcast rights uh revenue share like all of that kind of stuff i'm a big believer in that kind of things so you need to find a way to motivate yeah. some of these teams but like even boston like there was a there was a time like a couple of years ago when we were like okay boston is not even trying at all but at least they tried executing a scouting and finding talent kind of way to pull off their program like yeah, they yeah, were yeah. so bad but they were trying like they tried out more they've tried out more players than any other team in the league because they really rigorously tried to pick up you know the diamonds in the rough in contenders etc they put in the work like they actually tried whereas here like with the valiant it's like wow you made a last minute decision and you put yourself in a horrible spot and you're not even trying to like 
you know make it, it it's hard to define so. how badly someone's doing though doing their job i mean you, sometimes you could definitely see it surface level at this point you're like okay so they definitely haven't been doing their job and if you took that or like uh, took those rules johnny and Im implemented them in the league it's like you get less cut of the pie or whatever uh, well it would be so hard to for someone to come in if someone's yeah, looking so for a business opportunity, how much is being done though, you know, and if some other teams are working like super hard, and you could sometimes say like, "Oh, boss, not doing that well." Like, "Oh, what are they doing?" But then, you like you were saying, they've been trying. They actually actively have been trying extremely difficult. I can, I see what you mean. I kind of agree, but I think it would be very hard to find how much money to take away from them, or like, but also how much less of the pie that you're getting. It, it'd be very hard to kind of find a balance there. Sure, I don't know the answer. And you know, I'm not an For investor. Sure. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. manage finances. I don't know like how to actually structure that kind of thing. Like John Spector is way smarter than me. I'm sure he'll find a way because I know he cares about the league Flashpoint. as much as anyone in the scene. So Flashpoint for CS, which is the uh, one of the first, well, not one of the first, but one of the only ones that got off the ground attempts at franchi uh, making a somewhat franchised league for Counter-Strike had a system like that in place, actually. And Monte Cristo right. is the commissioner over there, as far as I'm aware, and works at a high level in the, the parent company. And he implemented a system whereby the teams that are at the lower end of it pay a fine back to the league that gets reinvested. And that the design there is that, okay, you don't get relegated, but you're financially motivated via the fining system to to try and get better and better and so it becomes more you should spend money on your team to get good rather than just sit around and and take the fine at the end of the season as it turns out though that didn't work in practicality because the teams wouldn't create a ranking system to accurately rank the teams so they they didn't fight like if you dropped outside the world 15 i think it was you would have to pay like an x level of fine but the teams never came up with like an objective ranking system so that fell through and none of the the leagues have not actually enforced any of the fines as well so i know that there's been a bunch of like drama around it like like that mm -hmm. which i'm sure we don't know the 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 all of the facts around it because the um all of those discussions happen internally, but you can see there that there was an attempt made to make some kind of financial incentive, which didn't work out in practicality as well, even though it seems like a decent idea. And uh, yeah. I think this season actually does have some incentive to be better. Like I think Boston has done a good job here at buying the dip as well. You've bought yeah. it. You've bought at a time when the stocks are somewhat the lowest that they are in the Overwatch League. People were mad excited about it in season one. In season two, you're, you're getting ready for homestands. There's occasional homestand stuff popping off. Beginning of season three, people are expecting homestands, paying big money, getting set up for them. They happen a little bit. Oh, fuck, COVID. Boom, shut it all down. It goes online. And this season, people are prepping to be online. Costs are reduced. And they've decided to buy the dip at this point and see if they can get success while things are a little cheaper. I think that makes sense for them. When you look at the Valiant, People aren't even probably going to pay attention to the Valiant because they're not going to get into any of the tournaments, which mm -hmm. the entire league is structured around. So they're just going to play 16 games. And yep. that means they're probably only going to play four weekends out of the entire year. Yep. So people are a bit, you won't even notice them. Like the, that's, the, that's the failure this year. If you don't succeed, you won't even get noticed. You won't be on broadcast anywhere near as much as the teams that do well. It is structured in a way that's different from the other seasons where the bad teams are just going to be a blip on the radar. They, they're kind of just going to pass way, through. Right? They're just a, a fart in the wind, right? I mean, that, at the end of the day, that's what they're going to be. 
And that is the almost the punishment that you were kind of speaking about, Johnny. Because they're yeah. not going to get, if you're bad, then hey, yeah, you're not getting any broadcast time and you're not going to be, your sponsor aren't going to be shown as much and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but then it's like, how do you raise capital if you get less screen time? So you yeah, tend to get less money exactly. from sponsors and it's just exactly. like, I, it's very complicated and I'm not going to claim that I know anything about how to actually like structure this, just, but Godspeed. This yeah. yeah. situation just unfortunately highlights, like I said originally, the, the weaknesses of the franchising system. It has tons of strengths as to why you would set up a system like this with everyone buying into this concept. Um, and it's the reason why you can have like leagues like this you introduced relegation. I mean, people wouldn't buy into that. Yeah, yeah. Because like, you just lose your investment. Um, but you, uh, when when you create a product like this, like the Overwatch League, when you create a franchise league, you're assuming that everybody buying in is going to, you know, stay committed to it. And mm. one bad egg, like the the IGC here yeah. in this situation. Um, yeah, I mean, to get back onto the topic of how you would even punish something like this happening. What's to stop teams from being like, well, we were acting within this guideline. This is how we wanted to run our business to move forward. Well, yeah, that's also what they've said as well. They, exactly. They, so, they are looking to make, uh, they're looking to try and like right. tap into a Chinese market. They think that there might be some opportunities for live events to happen within Asia. Like that's on the surface. That's what they're saying. Yeah. But like the, the, this, exactly. So, so how do you punish that? Like if, if they're acting within their best interests, Again, you've, you've already brought up the financial incentives of Flashpoint, but again, it doesn't really work that well if it turns out. I mean, depending yeah. on what you base it on. Uh, it's, it's complicated. It's messy. Um, yeah. But that's the roster. That's the team preview. We've oh, already boy. laid out the context. <laughs> Do you of want to grade them, Brennan? <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to rate this team? I mean, oh, keep listen, it consistent. <laughs> there's no jokes here. This team will end up in 20th. Um, it's not like they have that much hope. It seems like the circumstances are set up where they won't even be honestly able to get additional players during the season. There's already this air of disappointment about them where players don't want to join them. Yeah, it's it's looking it's looking dismal for 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 this team for the Valiant. Um, Expectations for, for are set extremely low though, and I if they're able to overperform the bar which is buried in the floor, then. People might start to get excited about them a little bit. Sure. You know, the, yeah. the, the only hope for the Valiant is that these players are really hungry. You know, Crystal and Milanran come into it with a lot of focus. They're determined to prove everybody wrong. IB transitions really nicely as well. And they develop this underdog story of like, when are they going to get their first win? The same as Shanghai season yeah, one. That's, right. the, that's the, the only solution for them. The thing is, they're not going to get 40 opportunities to build this narrative. Yep. They're just going to get 16 and it's going to be... It's also not brand new. No. There's all this baggage that comes with their yeah. attempt at the league this year. And, and um, a, a lot of what people like about underdogs is the plucky story of like of course, the, hard, yeah. the hard times that they had to endure or something, yeah. the rough circumstances. Whereas with this organization it feels self-inflicted like mm -hmm. they've sabotaged themselves so i don't know whether people will really identify it in that way it, the only i think it would be very healthy for the league to do content around some of these players if at all possible to try and save this narrative from the valiant who are determined to shoot themselves in the face yeah just one player <laughs> not even the foot to me just a face in the face yeah if <laughs> if you can get one player that has a great personality and a story about how this is their opportunity and they want to make the most of it and people can get behind them in that way, you can save the narrative around this team. But 
my god, you gotta work it. You gotta fucking work it. Because it doesn't I, I am going the other way. I am going the other way. I'm gonna say this. I think you're gonna get off to a horrible start. Then will come like the like when naturally the the the, the tide turns and we're like, okay, let's give them a second chance. Crystal's gonna go off, have like one or two good series. Not gonna win a series, but he's gonna have one or two good series. Then he's gonna go out on a high note and be like, this team is not worthy of my time. I'm out. I'm I'm bench. I'm benching myself, and we'll see Neverbor <laughs> no. playing Hanso on DPS, <laughs> and they'll just be like, we don't we don't have two DPS players because Crystal just bailed again. That's why uh, they but, signed me. But Crystal Stock will remain Overwatch League level because he had a couple of good series, and he's like, yeah, that's enough of me showcasing oh. my skill. People still I, uh, know I still have it. And then you uh, think the he bad getter is gonna finesse everyone? Yep. God, Ocean's fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it now. I think the one good thing about this, the one good thing about this roster, though, mm -hmm. is that they signed a, a big streamer as well to carry them their way through. And I think that it's probably going to be a, yeah, yeah. Who was it? I think it's going to be a bit of a painful transition. But I think that Hiko will belong better in a coaching role, actually. Is he could have extreme? Though? Yeah, rather right. than rather than just baiting all of his teammates, I think that Hiko will be <laughs> oh, actually okay. one of the driving <laughs> talents behind. The LA Valley's success. I think I if he can, I actually believe you for a second. If he I can actually believe you for they a couldn't afford buyouts on any of the players, but they could buy out Hiko. They, they spent they spent their entire budget yeah. on Hiko. It's crazy, That's isn't it? Mad. It is. Apparently, his name now is DMO. He was Hiko, but renamed DMO. Oh, really? That's sad, actually, because I would have loved to just keep the narrative all about Hiko all season long. <laughs> just <laughs> anytime there's a pause or a break in the action, Living and you don't have Hiko. anything to say, just talk about Hiko. Yeah. yeah, wow, he's really doing a good job with these guys, isn't he? He's doing his best, doing his best. <laughs> in, his, in his off time from playing Valorant. <laughs> Valorant. <laughs> Fucking hell. Wow. Okay, well, if you are an ex-Valiant fan, then, um, uh, you know, Godspeed. But we have this guide. I mean, I say we like we came up with this concept. No, we, we didn't. didn't. We stole it. But it was this posted on Reddit as well? It was, yeah. Okay. This was the top post for this week on competitive Overwatch, actually. Was this yeah. flowchart? Flowchart to decide what team you should support if you're an ex Valiant fan. I actually haven't seen this yet. This will be my first time seeing it. So. I think it'd be fun I to run you through it. it. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's all run through it. Let's have a look. Okay. We so. might need to zoom in a little bit here. I was Damn an it. LA Valiant fan last year. Who do I root for now? Uh, do you live I'm in LA be... anymore, Brent? No, I don't. No. Oh, shit. Cause... I do. I'm a Gladiators oh. fan. Oh. Yes. Yeah, well. Well, you're both Gladiators fans then. That's <laughs> Me and Johnny are back Gladiators fans now. There you go. <laughs> um, do I live in California? No. Uh, okay. Um, I want to root for the ex-Valiant players. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. All right. Of let's course. Yeah. Let's follow right, the yes path. Let's follow the <laughs> I, I like that there's a, are you sure? Like next one. And it's like, no, I'm not sure, actually. Do you want to root for the ex-Valiant players? <laughs> No. Are you sure? <laughs> you could just get stuck in a loop there where you're getting guilted into rooting for them. All right. Have you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is an Bren. easy one, I think, Brent. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll get to this later, actually, when we talk about our plans for 2021. Uh-huh. Have you given up on the Overwatch League? There have been times. <laughs> there have been tough times, but Christ. no. Okay. Are you a degen on the APAC sleep schedule? I fucking hope not. Uh, okay. You, do you want to root for America's team? 
No. Unreal. No? You're not looking for the green card? Okay. No. All right. no. Do you want to root for a fun up-and-comer? That's fun? Up-and-coming? No. Oh, fuck. You want to root for a Korean NA team? No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did you? Hey, listen. This is your last chance, son. Okay. Did you really like British Hurricane in the Overwatch World Cup? Overwatch In Overwatch Contenders? Contenders. Yeah, actually. I did, did you? Yeah. Hey! Wow. Well, thankfully, oh. they signed Shax from the LA Valiant. That's so rude. you can okay. follow him. I'm a big London fan. There's no use doing the bottom one, bro. If you went no from there, there's no going back. <laughs> like, room for Gus's talent takedown team. Okay, dude. <laughs> I think that's really good. I mean, so what, what happens if you select I've given up on the Overwatch League? Where, where do you even go? What, okay, where does this say? Can I offer you an <laughs> Overwatch contenders team in this trying time? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's no. Valorant is nice this time of year. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Uh, I mean, Immortals are doing pretty well in Valorant. If you wanted to go and follow Packington and Gumba, you, mm -hmm. could, you could root for them a bit. Wow. But they Dark Mode NA has Gravy, Adam, and Dreamer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what, what happens if you don't want to root for Valiant players? Like for me, you know, I was a Valiant fan, but I was a Valiant fan because I liked their avocado branding. Sure. So <laughs> what, where do yeah. I go? Yeah, yeah pack sleep schedule. <laughs> I am on a D-Gen sleep yeah, schedule right now. Yeah, yeah. But do you want to still root for an NA team? Mm, no, no. What about an underdog? Underdogs? No, no, no. I want dominant teams. Um, I think Jonak's the best thing to ever happen to Owl. True. Why is that written with so much enthusiasm? True. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's an absolute Jonak simp, isn't it? No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I can't wait to see another Dynasty versus Shock Grand Finals. Dynasty Shock? Dynasty? Making another Grand Finals? No, 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 no. Play no, of no, profits. Shanghai. Oh, it was correct. I am a Shanghai you are Dragon a Shanghai simp. simp yeah. I am a Shanghai simp. Lovely. Well, there you go. Uh, simp. It's fun. Who made this? I don't know who made this. Can we? Uh, Let's get some credit, shall we? It's yeah. right there, we, at the we, very bottom, bottom right. What? 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 Kurt. Is that you? Put it up, Kurt. Something. Wait, where is it? In the bottom it, right. Uh -huh. Every, every kind of yeah. Put your reading oh, glasses on. Whoa! Yeah, because they've done it in gray. They've done it on gray in a white background. Keep zooming. Keep zooming. Slinger. 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 Thank you, Slinger. Thank you. What are you slinging? There's a tiny watermark. Slinging. He's slinging dreams. Is what he's slinging. Yeah, he is. He is slinging hopes and dreams. Selling better narratives than we are. All right. In other news, big news. Mitch Uber Leslie has announced his plans for the future. He's uh, he's announcing his little in a little video. It's twenty two minutes long, I think. It's worth a watch. Starts with a shoey. It does start for with no a good reason. Literally, um, no good reason. Man's just trying to exchange shoeys. Did you for see cloud. that he did two? Uh, he forgot to record the first one, so he had to do another <laughs> one. <laughs> he, forgot he forgot to record. He forgot to hit record on the first one, so he had to do another one. I think that's a bit of an excuse, to be honest with you. But yeah, yeah, that, no, I respect. It. I mean, Mitch, we gotta talk. That's Sounds like a problem. <laughs> that's the alcoholism of a new parent. I mean, he's yeah. that is one hundred percent. He's drinking because he's getting no sleep. He, Ash is sat there going, 
have you finished recording that film yet? And he's like, no, I'm on my fifth tree. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot to record yeah. it again. Oh, I forgot to record again. <laughs> I can't Where, seem that, to nail this what, intro. Where's that whiskey bottle gone and my Wellington boots? <laughs> he's just in the, in the corner with a straw whiskey and a Wellington boot. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, that sounds horrendous. He's announced it. There you go. Here's the video itself. There it is. Oh, wow. Take a look at this on, uh, on Mitch's channel as well. Nice. Um, he's announced that him and Matt are returning as commentators. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately. Those are nice shoes. Nice. What's he done yeah, that what for? A shame. I think uh, you typically have a shoey shoe that you only drink for shoeys. No, sure. Yeah, he's got a I, mean, shoe. I did it from a sneaker once. I I do not recommend doing a shoey from a sneaker. That's no. no. I did it from my vapor maxes, and by the way, the uh, the lining on top of the vapor maxes, yeah, pretty thin. Uh, they smell like beer for months. <laughs> I just tossed yeah. them out. I seriously tossed my shoes out the day after. I I, just I had a pair of cheap um like fake leather shoes. I bought for like a wedding that I went to, I think maybe Monty's wedding. Yeah. Monty and Susie's wedding. And um, that was what I used as the shoey shoe. And it just sat in our old house on a windowsill for the entire year. Oh, it year. did. For the yeah. entire year, that yeah. shoe was Grim. there. It didn't yeah. move. It didn't did move. did it you not wash there. it after Pretty you eat chewy? You just left it with beer inside. Yeah. Beer grows shit. I mean, I it was one shoey and it was done. It was there. It was an ornament from that point on on the oh, windowsill. Nice. A little ornament. We'd be playing Magic the Gathering. There's my shoey shoe. I was just there the entire time. Ooh. I feel it like was. you could have grown um, plants in it. Actually, probably that would nutrients be a, in it. Yeah, that would yeah. be a good yeah. way of turning a shoey shoe into a into an actual Recycling living object. It. Yeah, recycle. I think I did. Surprised it didn't have fungus in it by the time we left. I'm gonna be yeah, real. I, I, did, I, did, I didn't even know what happened to that shoe. I left before you guys. Is it still there? Well, I washed it and I think I donated it. Hmm. So somewhere out there in LA, <laughs> oh, lucky there's, there's a shoe. There's my shoe. They're not going to know there. the history yeah. behind that go. shoe. The hard oh, times. God. Yeah. One of the things, the interesting things in Mitch's announcement video was him discussing just the current like uh, climate of being a freelancer, yes. which I thought was was pretty interesting. He went into detail about you know his his war against the uh the oppressors yeah. bringing down the lower le the lower levels of casters and, yeah uh honestly yeah a lot of a lot of respect to mitch for that i mean he won one of my previous player of the week awards because of a lot of his actions of what he's been doing to support the the, the casters as well to make sure that they don't get ex you know exploited by tos and some of the tos themselves don't even know the proper rates to set as well um but he you know he's been sticking his neck out on the line for them he's also also talking about getting ghosted by riot after yeah. having a talk with them I mean, like he, he had a very positive talk with them and then just got ghosted for a while. That, yeah, that well, that's an esports classic, to be <laughs> really honest. Is. It's not just a riot exclusive, that's an esports classic. It is, yeah. Um, but you just end up getting ghosted by one person who works in one specific department in, I don't know, Algeria or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah classic Algerian esports department. It's Every a good, good company, has them. I don't, man, I don't know, I'm just pulling random countries out, you know? <laughs> just Macedonia, I don't know. Macedonia! I love that. Uh, Macedonia. Mace. Uh, <laughs> they, it's named after the weapon. Oh. Mm, so Mace. He's Macedonia, Mace. Macedonia, right. Macedonia. Macedonia. Yeah. Like Bosnia and Herzegovina, Macedonia. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yep. Anything you guys want to add? No, I was intrigued by the thing you mentioned about beer and plants, and it's actually quite bad for plants. So you can't grow plants with, uh, with beer. Oh, but, however, I did look up that you can make beer sourdough bread, so I might do that this week. 
Where I know you, that you instead of water, you put in beer because there's yeast in beer. What? And so it it helps to rise the dough. So I'm gonna you've do. You've been uh, big into your sourdough, right? You've had a sourdough starter that you've been working on yeah. for weeks. Yeah, yeah, I've That's had it for cool. more than a month now. Yeah, been baking nice. sourdough, baking bread, and growing plants. What a life I'm living. When you say a starter, That's you mean sick. you have a little thing that you put a little bit into dough. Yeah, because it's it's bacteria, right? So yeah, you're you're fostering sourdough bacteria. So it's a starter essentially, right? And you mix in water, uh, flour, and then you have some of the starter that every week you like take out like a cup and a half or whatever, and then you just refeed it every week so it keeps growing and like the bacteria eats. And then as you know the years go on, the the starter gets more and more complex, uh, starts tasting differently, etc. So that's why we maintain a sourdough starter because of the bacteria culture. What happens if you going. accidentally get some that's dodgy it. bacteria growing in there? Fuck knows. I mean, what, it probably shows, right? Bacteria it you probably shows. About. Yeah, like how, how does that even happen? I don't yeah, know. Get talking about like mutants from Futurama in the sewers. That kind of <laughs> like. No, what, what I mean is about? though that if you if you have like food lying around, if you have some source of food for bacteria to to grow, right. on, you you and you leave it open to the elements, then. Well, don't leave it open. It's in a it's in a can, is it not? So oh, like, is it? I don't know. I don't can, know how it works. A, I was just I was imagining it well, being in like in a, a container. Bowl and you feed it, and then you put a lid on it or something. No, 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 no. It's in in it's in like a glass container. I don't know what it's called. Like one of these. Right, like a, a jar. jar. Yeah, yeah. It's like in a mason jar. Yeah. And then um, people can have it like every day. You feed it every day, and then you discard, you know, most of the starter, and then you just take like a small amount and you refeed it. Uh, you, oh. I put it in the fridge, so I only refill it once every week. So, like once every week, I bake bread now. And um, oh, why are we talking about this? Anyway, it's, it's I'm, cool. I'm cool living story. my best life, like homies. But the growing plants is very thera therapeutic. There you go. There we go. Yep. That is. I'm living my cool, best life, actually. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Why were we talking about? Well, this? I, I said, remember. does anybody have any comments on you know Mitch and Matt? Oh, and, and you were talking about beer being in plants. Talking about beer, beer shoes. And I, think I think sourdough starters are way more interesting small... than that. Yeah, <laughs> True. I was going to say a small thing. Yeah, props to Mitch for like almost sticking his neck out on the line because there are like a lot of people I don't think can do what he did in his position. Um, oh, no, sorry. A lot of, most people can't do what he did because yes. they're not in his position. It's, it's yeah. the luxury yeah. of the position I mean. that, that, you know, he and... A lot of us are in but, but also having balls right? yeah I mean, it's both it, because you need the balls and to be able to like have morals well, and values to speak up about something for sure but then sure. you know if you do that and you're just some like low low b whatever like you're not probably not gonna get picked up for anything because you're just like yelling into the void and you're just nobody. yeah exactly so exactly so yeah he is yeah he's a bit of a legend for sticking his neck out like that because yeah if it was someone else yeah, you'd probably just get stiffed, and then your career's almost. What's what I mean? Done, it's it's right? not about risk, is it? And at the end of the day, it's. I mean, he's improving the industry as a whole. He, as yeah, well. I mean, I don't, I don't think I, I know mean, anybody I'm, who's more like. What's the word to use here? I I don't know anybody who's who's more determined to you know really legitimize the industry and the the craft of commentary than than Mitch. He's, yeah, well, he's I'd say put... Monty was up there. I mean, yeah, of I course, know of course. from like there's this there's this notion sometimes that like quote unquote Monty is evil or like Monty doesn't care and he's like selfish, or whatever. Like he cares a ton and like he's given so many people advice, etc. Um, you know, I know for sure that he was one who got me into doing analysis in the first place. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah. hey, you know, like you're doing well in your career right now. 
but you should really look into doing more analysis. And that's why I got hired for the first World Cup. Um, I think in a way. Yeah. But 2017, for sure, like when I got picked up for contenders. And like he's done giving me tons of advice and he really cares. And I know he did the same thing in League of Legends, etc. So he's putting his neck out there. Mitch is doing that now. Like, yeah, I think it's really awesome for everyone. And like, even if you're talent, not in Overwatch, like if you're a CSGO talent, uh, if you're Dota talent, I don't care. Like just having people that like vocalize some of the wage issues sometimes or working conditions all that good stuff it's always nice to have someone do that for you because some people can't um, and some people won't so you know uh, personally from speaking from my position um you know that he's able to do that i think it's really respectful and awesome from him mm -hmm. yeah now there was a little bit of extra news as well that he announced that frankly i'm pissed off about yeah i know you're um, all talking uber up but I mean, it was just a bit of a cunt to us yeah. this week. He's leaked our, our 2021 plans. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a big announcement. I was talking to Netflix. I was on the phone, multi-million dollar deals. Yeah. And this was the newest show. They were going to be premiering this. We had a big marketing budget for yeah. it. Yeah. And I know. Mitch has just leaked what, we, what we're going to be doing. And, and this is the problem with leaks. This is why we don't talk about leaks on Platchat. why we don't Plat talk Chat. about leaks on Platchat. Because chat. they yeah. ruin deals happening behind and the scenes. And now this deal's fell through. It's fallen through now yeah. because so Mitch leaked do. it. So. But if you could... Do you have to We'll tweet? have to come fucking crawling back, won't we? What did you say, Kurt? Okay, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we're going to have to come crawling back. And I mean, I, it's unbelievable. We had this entire sh this show plan worked out as well for this. We were going to be spending 12 weeks in Siberia, and, uh, and you can see here, he's Just, heard that... Oh, oh, oh hello. Oh, Where are we oh, going oh. there? There we go. He's yeah. just leaked that we're making a content house in Siberia where we're competing in ice fishing with nothing but our arse cheeks. And I've got big and ass I, cheeks. You do, yeah. I mean, I have had to be working... I've been, I've been only doing squats for the past, like, two months yeah, in yeah. preparation for this. Yeah. And all my work's gone to waste. Yeah, I mean, that's looking like a tiered wedding cake right now. I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now this has backfired, and, you know, we're going to have to go back into esports. Yeah, I, guess. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. So well, I was really looking forward to this. We had a nice runner show. We were going to get David Attenborough in it as well. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah. for certain scenes as well. Um, and we were going to try and, like... He's are the Ashcheek fishermen of Siberia. Exactly, yep. That was going to be the opening line. That was going to be the opening line. And, and then it's it comes like to us. Bit of a parody thing, and it's us, and we're saying, hi, you may know us from the Overwatch League. <laughs> and then we just immediately get down to business. Yeah, it would be really cheap as well to move to Siberia and start a content house, I think. Would it? I think so, yeah. Apparently, a lot of people are moving to Siberia because global warming is making the land more uh, arable, more farmable. Oh. Um instead of being just permafrost. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, yeah. I, the population density is three people per square kilometer. Get started up, I'll tell you that. You guys know about the satellite internet? The, the, the Elon Musk? Oh, Starlink, Starlink or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't know about this? No, I don't know. Someone in my chat was telling about me about this. it. It's it's satellite internet, but it's like much lower down to the earth compared to traditional satellites. So the latency isn't that bad. They're planning on just instead of doing like underground internet or what, do it all through satellites. Bonkers. Yeah, but also Elon Musk is an absolute nutcase and comes up with 
ridiculous ideas all the time, yeah. many of which do not work in the slightest. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see where that one goes. Don't try to the moon. LA to build a, a transport system. And he only got, did you, did you hear about this? This was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, the tunnel. He was, he was trying to build that tunnel, but he only got planning permission to dig a pit. So he only, <laughs> he only dug a pit. He didn't build a complete tunnel. So... You know, I, like the idea of I building... thought he did build the tunnel. Sure. I don't think so. I like the idea of building I one got, tunnel. I thought it got deeper, yeah. I like the idea did of it? building one tunnel to solve traffic as well, because you've just, you've, just you've just created one extra lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all you've but, done. But I think the, the premise of it was that it would be like a vacuum tube. Uh, like a light speed vacuum, ch- not light speed. Light, <laughs> light speed. Converting humans <laughs> to energy. Just <laughs> poof, zero mass, and you get reassembled at the other end. <laughs> I, I fucked up. I fucked up. But like a vacuum. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to become a photon? <laughs> 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 I, I fucked up, but yeah, but really quick, and they would, but then he transitioned it to like, oh yeah, but n- no, but now it will be a vacuum tube, but only for Teslas. Right, so Teslas right. could go on, and uh, I don't know, it doesn't right. matter. Yeah, we yeah. can uh, we could talk about it around the Shadowlands, Bren. Is that, huh? is that how you uh, <laughs> transport system? Like the like the trans, what is it? The transdimensional ch- tubing or whatever it is in the Shadowlands. Yeah, we're like, like the Who intro. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, or you yeah. just zip along like you do in a in they do in Star Trek on Star if you, Wars. If you were converted to photons and you were reassembled at the other end, are you still the same person? Yes, because you're still. Well, it's in, like with a boat, right? Photons, right? That what the ship of Theseus is that what you're yeah, talking the, about? The ship of the Theseus, boat. yeah, <laughs> like that fucking boat. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between a ship and a boat? There isn't that much, but when you're when you're talking about a philosophical um, uh, <laughs> analogy, I think it makes sense to use the name that most people use. Um, I, 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 I mean that is a, just a very popular. Um, that's a very popular. Trope. Trope Science is fiction. asking whether or not teleporters actually just kill people and reassemble yeah. them at the other end. Yeah. 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 Uh, that. If you get me down to co-op quicker, like, hey, bro, teleport me away. <laughs> kill me and reassemble a new Jaws at the other end. He'll thank me for it. <laughs> wouldn't, it be the, wouldn't it be the same person because it has the same uh, atomic makeup? And consciousness. Because you would build it from atoms and various chemicals in the air, right? Yeah. And it would have the same makeup as the same person departing because it'd be the same person, right? So but therefore... How would you transfer, like, the mind? What makes up the brain? Memory? Well, it's still all just, like, chemicals, you know, in the sphere and stuff. Like, you just don't, like... Like, you're not u- this unique material, brand. Like, y- you exist because of stars exploding and, like, well, nitrogen yeah, and shit quite... in space, all... you know? And you we're can... All... That, that exists everywhere. We're all kind of unique, though. <laughs> Because it's that case. <laughs> yeah, but if it's rebuilt, it's exactly going the same way. He's sat there like this, like a rabbit. What? It wouldn't be the same. Well, well, well yeah, but, but, but if you had an extra is... proton in your body, you wouldn't be transporting yourself because you wouldn't be the same person. But it's a sense of I feel like even you, if it is chemicals, yeah, and this, and I don't know what what is what is a memory? Well, what makes up a memory? Okay, instead of going like that, that though, if if you if you Disassemble a person mm-hmm. and you reassemble them at the other end. You're worried that the chain of consciousness is going to be broken, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, if yeah. you subscribe to the idea that consciousness arrives naturally from the, the atoms that are arranged 
in in your body, yeah. right? That it isn't some kind of ghostly soul that exhibits, <laughs> that, that that just inhabits your meat flesh. Yeah. Then every time you go to sleep, you break your chain of consciousness. When you wake up in the morning, you could have died the night before, and like your your oh. consciousness could be broken. You could be a new person. Your memories. Sure. If you if you teleported, and you were the person that had just come out the teleporter. There would be no way for you to know whether or not you were the same person that went in mm -hmm. the teleporter. Mm -hmm. That's the same as when you wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. When I woke up this morning, I'm not sure that I'm the same person that went to bed last night. They could have killed me and replaced me with a clone of myself. Okay. I, I wouldn't know. It was a break in the consciousness, but okay. it's not something, you, super simple not way something you worry about. The what? LA Valiant from 2020 to 2021, is it the same team? <laughs> what? Is it the boat same thing? thing isn't it? Is it? No, okay, we'll move on. I don't know. We've been on the same team. 2021, same team? Actually, get uh, on you the same organization, too long. right? I, I... Same organization. Uh, there's been some juice <laughs> in the scene. For it's some, the some, some juice, some drama. <laughs> um, there's, there's been juice, drama, something, something of, the to of the sort. This is the, the hottest spice that we've had yeah, for in years. Overwatch for years. And it's Dante, this clip of him going on and talking about the uh, the the management of the Houston Outlaws in season two, season yeah. three maybe. Can we can we just play the clip with audio and All Okay. Right. Kurt's but, figuring it out. Yeah, I mean Dante was just on stream and I mean he must have just had a bad scrim day or something because he was just yeah. he was just letting it loose. I, I don't know. Off. I don't know the context of Actually, like Dante thought, joining us. Live. Yeah, I thought that was Dante talking. Actually, actually, uh, I wasn't having a bad scrim day. We beaten everybody that day. Fuck you. He's having a good day on rank though. He is. Yeah. Nine and three. Actually, just, when I, when I first well, joined Outlaws in season two, I asked Flame if we're getting like any new players, and he unironically said there's no good players and contenders. He said there are no good players and contenders in season at the start of season two, right when I got traded. Before any teams made their yeah, teams, and then we were like 17th, and all the expansion teams were good. But he said there were no good players and contenders. Killed them before they actually brain dead. <laughs> actually, just I mean, when I, when I yeah, pulling pulling no punches there, just throwing flame yeah. around. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was kind of it's been iterated a couple of times, I think. As well, just the downfall of various teams, yeah, down to uh, individuals. But this is the most I think outward a player has spoken about the management in a team at a given point in time. Um, there's not really much else to add to this, really, is there? I, I mean, mean, there's a little bit. There's a little go bit. Go on, then. What do you want to say? There was also I was watching this clip on my stream, and uh, Dream was in the chat, one of the coaches, if you yeah. remember, for season yeah. three, and he said he was in my chat, and he said, "Yeah, Flame did the same thing season three as well," and the. <laughs> Uh, and it's, I, I, I mean, the Houston Outlaws are trying to rebuild at this point. And we did, you know, we saw that interview with Harsha and Yiska, where Harsha was saying that he didn't really have control over the team in terms of like yeah. scouting and picking out the players that he wanted for last year too. Um, and this has been the way with a lot of the different organizations within the league in the past. And I think part of the reason that the league has gotten better and better over the years is that people have just, People have understood how to run teams, and some of the people that were bad at running teams, or hell, coaching or playing as well, have left too. Like mm -hmm. it's they, they've 
they've realized that those people were not competent and they have left. That happens at the beginning of every eSport, but my God, it did take a long time in the Overwatch League and for some people to... still have lasting consequences for yeah. the Houston Outlaws itself. I but. mean, don't just think about Houston, though. Like, Flames getting all of the hate here, but this was not just an issue that was specific to Houston. I, does anyone remember the other Texan team, Dallas? Oh, yeah. The, both of those Texan teams had people on 17-year contracts when they were <laughs> actually really poor players. Like, they're paying people outrageous yeah. amounts of money for way, contracts that are way too long that they never should have had people signed. It, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. I, those teams had people signed for roles that they never should have been playing because the people at the top of the food chain didn't know what they were doing. And I, think I don't know. in Flames' case as well, almost the circumstance of uh, with the Houston Outlaws, uh, with the management company, that was above them, right? I think there was a changing of hands as well there. There was between season two and three, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Not I know Dante's Flame placed about, some yeah. of the blame on that. Yes. Being yeah. part of the reasoning. And because he had to take over way more logistical stuff. So yeah. presumably he didn't have enough time to actually focus on the job of like signing players and, yeah. and that kind of shit. But I mean, at that point, why not leave it to the coaches as well? There has, there has been a lot of mismanagement in the Overwatch League. Um, like early on on the mm. league side though thankfully the league itself is now in my opinion in a super positive direction underneath john Spector. Mm -hmm. like yeah. i think that guy's a boss yeah. and i fully believe in him um and like matt joining as well i i think is a great thing for the league too but, but, but i think but, at, but, at the beginning but, but, that was going in a weird direction huh not allowed to compliment matt on the show oh true actually Sorry. yeah no um but but for a lot of the teams as well, like you could you could always tell talking to some teams that they were just set up in much better ways to succeed mm -hmm. um, than than others were, and I think you're still seeing the ramifications that when it comes to some rosters too. Yeah, I mean, during a large majority of the teams in the league have a good plan or like a sensible plan or like are very dedicated to go in one specific direction i think that some of the mismanagement just stemmed from like people not knowing what they were doing and they had no plan they were like oh let's just pick up some of these players blah, blah, blah. but like most i mean i'm not saying there are bad teams because there are also a couple of bad teams like going through this year and we talked about the la valiant but like for the most part teams have a good understanding of their plan they're trying to execute it and sometimes you know it doesn't work out because you have a plan and like a player doesn't become available you know maybe the money doesn't go around whatever but for the most part i'm really happy with what all the teams are feeling this year because it's i i believe this will probably be the most competitive year of overwatch league we've had so far because there are so many good teams and like so much new talent and so many exciting storylines like i'm super pumped for this upcoming season and that's credit to the teams for like actually mm -hmm. trying to improve like boston uprising as we mentioned like their lineup i don't know what's gonna you know what their results gonna end up be but they have some really exciting new additions on the boston uprising toronto is trying something new gladiators are trying to go for a championship uh I mean, you got the whole uh, British Hurricane story with London Spitfire. Yeah, like, yeah. there's so many interesting teams in the league this time of year, and that's credit for the teams and the management for actually providing us with good rosters, some reasonable pickups, and trying to do their job. So for the most part, I'm really happy with the way they're going. Now, the first two years, it was a bit all over the place. It was investors who, like, tried to hand their... You know, they're trying to, like, overmanage the roster. It was um, because we didn't really have the same system early on. 
we just didn't have enough like general managers to go around like i remember i'm not gonna name anyone of course but like i remember a few people who got promoted to general manager like they had never been in that kind of position before they don't know yeah, what they were yeah. getting themselves into but that role opened up and then you get that responsibility and it's pretty evident when like it doesn't work out when you're not uh, supposed to be in that role so we had to have a couple of years where people were figuring out okay who are the reliable people in the scene who knows what they're talking about um you know that there was this whole thing about like you remember when we discussed like bare hands and how good he was at his job credit to him like i think you know he gets a lot of flack sometimes for you know what happened with them and the mixed roster you know like gravy pickups all of that stuff but he did actually scout some incredible talent in korean contenders and like set them up for success later on um when that was developed and they had a good chemistry going around i'm not giving him too much credit there but like there was stuff like trying out community members like that and seeing what they could bring to the table but now i finally feel like we're at a place where for the most part teams have a reasonable idea of what they're trying to accomplish and are finding ways to accomplish it, it. so um, also i think that the specific example here of that dante gives of gms not respecting new talent coming in was a lesson learned very quickly by the end of season yep. two, when all of the expansion teams with rookie talent overperformed the the teams that were holding on to veteran talent. And then every year since then, there's been an enormous wave of rookies that comes into the league and does incredibly well. Like almost always, the the rookie of the year is a candidate for MVP, and there's a bunch of other rookies that mm -hmm. are, are potentially up there too. It's um, it's. It's definitely been a learning process, but it's one that people have got on board with rather than tried to fight against, um, for the most part, anyway. Uh, yeah. There are still, obviously, big exceptions to this, like Vancouver Titans, horrible situation, like Valiant this year, horrible situation. But I think that's why the, the community as well is being given the information as well to realize how important management is to the success of a team like what good management looks like and what bad management looks like as well and how that can actually affect things. Uh, I, I would also say to add to this, and I mean, I'm asking you guys in part, but like, I feel like when we saw that kind of behavior happen, did we do a reasonable job of like pointing that out? And it was like, hey, you know, like Dallas Fuel, these contracts are not good. Like they're hurting, you know? I think we did a pretty good job of like vocalizing what we saw was good and bad. Um, and yeah. we've learned our lessons because of that, because like, you know, we've seen what, what good teams do and how they act. And we've seen what bad teams, like what ends up happening with like contracts you're stuck in or, wow. um, you know, not promoting players feel the weird, like roster decisions, et cetera. So like, I feel like the, the scene has sort of like helped some of this, like grow together. Like the entire ecosystem has really like, uh, make these kind of, uh, yeah. upgrades happen across the board. I can't remember ever calling someone out for it early, though. What, like, well, we definitely, we definitely did between season one and two with Dallas, um, and yeah. they didn't. And then season two and three, we said the exact same thing. Like when when these guys were like Harry Hook, for example, were continued on contract, right? Yeah, and like Mickey, for example, and, and what was going on? Yeah, I mean that was that was, and and like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Houston was a meme for a long time. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if there was a rabid fan base or am I, like, alone here? But there was definitely a time where we were like, Houston Outlaws, what's happening here? Like, this is dumb. 
Like when you have to start making the, oh, well, he pulls bomb the diva example excuse. It's like, no, something's wrong here with the Outlaws roster. Like, it's not good enough. Like, something's yeah. obviously wrong. <laughs> Did you guys not feel that at that time? Definitely, like, but yes, I think yeah. Houston were one of the teams that fought back quite a lot, you know, oh, where yeah. the, the fan base would fight back against that. called an idiot. And, like, for example, I'm thinking of the, the Monty scenario where he was calling out Houston for just constantly playing goats when they were awful at it instead Monty, of trying to... Monty was the one who got the most flack for that, but he was I, that was because he was saying it during the cast and afterwards on Twitter, I think, on yeah. social media. But we were saying the same points on the desk. Yes. And we were doing yeah. the, uh, the analysis yeah. on that year as well. Yeah. Like the... Yeah, but I mean, uh, but I think it was it was accurate as well at the sure. time. Like the but uh, but I think a lot of the time when you're in the team and you believe that what you're doing is correct because why else would you be doing it? You think that it's correct. Um, it, it can feel like you, it can feel like the people on the outside actually don't have enough info to be able to correct you. Um, but but I think it's like a signal and noise problem. When you're inside, you end up not seeing the big picture. And not I mean, that happens for fans too. The fans too. Like, I, I cannot show you guys. I think out of all the teams in the league, I have muted the most Houston Outlaws people on Twitter because, like, it's just so <laughs> tough to deal with. Like, especially those years when, like, you criticize them or, like, this is not good enough. Like, you always have the Houston Outlaws fans in your Twitter just, like, spamming you. And some of them, anyway. And you just mm -hmm. mute away because, like, they can't see it. Like, they're just so... They're, they're, they're just such Houston Outlaws fanatics that they don't see what I'm seeing. So... Wow, I really pulled off like a, an ivory tower kind of uh, <laughs> image there. Of <laughs> you don't see what phone. I'm seeing. I know better than you guys. From his Oof. blimp at the top of the universe. <laughs> the, uh, the next topic we've got, if you're okay to move on, is uh, talking about everyone's favorite content creator. Yeah. Dunkey. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I haven't Me. seen his Hope for Overwatch 2 you video. You didn't see the video? No. I don't see it. Comment on it. it was, uh, did you, did you, any of you lot watch it? Just you. No. Was it just you me? You know, part of this, okay, I, I, need to ex I need to explain, okay? I need to explain. Because some people on Reddit are like, well, you know, they don't prepare. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, also, we, we decided to add this segment like five minutes yeah. before the show. I didn't so even so know like, I was I doing this version of Platchat as well. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I didn't even know I was doing this. I came in and uh, Kurt says, okay, Jack, do you want to do two team previews today? Sure, Kurt, no worries. I jump in. So we ready to start Platchat? I'm like, what? Platchat? I thought I was doing team previews today, mate. Okay, so but easy. Mike, suck at organizing and preparing. <laughs> Clearly, but, 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 but for this, for this in particular, I can understand why you haven't watched it because it's not you're not the target audience at all. But I think it's really cool to talk about because what, our normal audience is a really hardcore audience. Like even the the people who watch <laughs> the people who watch. Um, what game is this? The people who watch Plat wow. Chat are already invested in the competitive Overwatch side. But Dunkey's audience is so casual. Yeah. And he, he starts out by saying, the bar for multiplayer games is so low, people are playing Valorant right now, which I think is a fantastic <laughs> opening line and should get everyone in the Overwatch community on board. But Dunkey's your classic uh, casual Overwatch fan. He loves the idea of the, the, the um, PvE aspect and the story and, and tapping into the, the characters. And I think that... Listening to Dunkey's take is so different from the competitive take. He's, you know, he says shit like, why do, why do they give Widowmaker such an awful ultimate? Widowmaker's one of the worst heroes in the game. 
she's awful. Don't even tell me otherwise. And he's and he's like talking about how cool Hook 1.0 was because you just got this feeling that you were an incredible like force on the battlefield that you yeah. could do such dumb shit. Yeah. And hero um, fantasy. Yes, I'm yeah, telling yeah. you. But it's great hearing his perspective because it is the casual perspective. It's you want the game to feel cool. You want the characters to feel like you're playing the the characters you're not really it when we think about the game or at least when i think about the game and i think when most of the the uh, scene thinks about the game they're thinking about the balance of a competitive he's he's thinking about shit like if they make it if they make may roll around in an ice ball i'm definitely going to be playing this shit it's awesome he also brings up this point where he thinks the balance should be designed for people's worst tendencies so like with the with the shield uh giving you health back in the pve thing he says you should balance for practicality people are idiots they don't like doing things that are boring like playing on the payload they like overextending and hunting fights balance your game around that Balance your game around making the fun things to do the right things to do, which is such an interesting idea of how <laughs> Overwatch should go about guy. things. Yeah, and he's saying, this is what people like to do. Play the game in a dumb way that's fun. And if, you, if you're trying to incentivize them to play smart, you're going to set up this awful um, dichotomy where people don't want to do smart shit to win. And people who want to win are going to get annoyed at the people playing for fun. And the people who play for fun are going to get annoyed at the people playing to win. Um, which I thought was a very interesting idea there as well. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I never... I feel stupid for not thinking like that. That but was such a it, good statement. It's <laughs> very easier said than done, I think. Sure. But How but do you his, make sitting on the payload fun? Introduce well, new dance emotes? Well, his point was fucking get rid of those kind of game modes basically where you where right. everything is like you're on one objective that just tunnels through uh, his his idea for new game modes in overwatch 2 was much more like a moba where you have different micro objectives and so the team splits apart and so you're incentivizing less bunched together team fights and you're incentivizing more skirmishing on the flanks where it's like you have to fight over, I don't even know. Like, let's think about it in terms of a MOBA where you have like the Baron or something that you can fight over, but there's also a, a, a tower that you can take down if we're thinking about League, yeah. where you, you can pressure both objectives at once if you want, or you can go all in on one objective and the enemy team has to think, do we want to fight them over that objective or do we want to like get compensation by fighting over the other one instead. Those kind of things, these decision trees don't exist in Overwatch right now, except on a micro level in terms of positioning where someone takes a high ground and you think, okay, should we challenge them for that high ground or should we flank around them to get another position and like use the fact that they're not somewhere else? That is like the similar concept, but not as obvious to the casual player. Whereas I do agree with him that all of the game modes in Overwatch are very one-dimensional. Escort, capture a point. They're like, it doesn't have any of the fun back and forth of 5CP from TF2, which was the game mode that I loved coming in. And it doesn't have any of the complexity to like the uh, attack and defend of Valorant, for example, in CSGO. And it doesn't have the like laning phase and, and different objectives of a MOBA. It has just a series of team fights over and over and over again. 
it would it doesn't seem like they're going to do this but it would be really cool for them to try and reinvent the game from a game mode point of view i know they have push which is that does seem like a really cool idea but there is a lot more that you could do with overwatch that i think is a really great idea from this video that i would encourage people to think about a bit more yeah i mean when we did the blizzcon video i was very much the guy who just like make overwatch like the kids game make a netflix tv show that kind of casual because i think that the universe has so much to it that like it, it's way more than a multiplayer game like mm -hmm. it should be way more than a multiplayer game because the universe deserves it but i never really thought about like redesigning overwatch core objectives on such a like fundamental level yeah so it's so really, really interesting to, to hear about. that yeah it's so it hard, hard to think about it, because like i just heard this because i didn't see the video yeah. but it's like it's so hard to imagine like what that would look like because yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. valorant if you want to make the comparison to like a tactical fps that game mode like they, it has an objective like well you go plant the bomb but like if you think about what's fun and what people are doing it's most of the time just taking ego jewels or like using your judge abilities judge yourself, and like pushing out or like just camping in a corner with a judge yeah. even stuff like that right so that doesn't either really promote <laughs> the objective and what it is about so it's very hard like as you said it sounds incredible when he says it and i would love to just sit in a room with jeff kaplan for like two hours and brainstorm <laughs> about yeah, that yeah, sentence yeah. alone because i know he just pull out some insane shit that i love to hear but yeah, I mean, it's an incredible sentence from Donkey, but, uh, but uh, yeah. Go on, Jules. This is wow. why you need um, so many different levels of player and, like, um, skill within, like, a development team and yeah, why yeah. different feedback from those kind of uh, players that are bronze to top 500 pro players, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of uh, make sure everything is fun like we were talking about i think having micro objects would be really interesting but for me to actually think about that who who like, i i just sit and spam circuit all day and play the same way do you know what i mean like it's so hard yeah, for yeah. me to do that because i i am so used to this point and to be fair i really like playing this way too and that's sure, really yeah, like, yeah of course of course that, that's but i'm also not like a lot of even some of my viewers that watch my stream that like to play overwatch in a very different way that like to just mess around in quick play all the time or like you know a lot, a lot, a lot of the casual audience on PRP. console that like yeah sure josh whatever you're into i mean there's a lot of custom games for everybody nowadays but i mean there's a lot of other people that probably only play custom games and they play the there's a new one at the moment that i found which is like overwatch is op or like your hero is op but how and like uh, Ryan has a shadow that like ripples throughout the whole map and like Mercy <laughs> turns into a sun. If, if if you're like in her LOS, she will like almost instantly kill you. Arissa will win the game if you don't kill her. Widowmaker can shoot through walls if she uses her ultimate. Like th there are probably people that only play those kind of games and yeah, will yeah. never ever touch competitive. And if they do, they'll play it once and be like, this sucks. Why the hell do they have six minutes on Boss Guy to attack second? Because uh, we got rolled by Smurfs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> there are a lot of people that... I feel almost you need to almost consult to make sure you can tick all the little boxes. It's extraordinarily hard, I can imagine. It is, so, yeah. 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 For us, it, 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 even as well, like, of course, we don't all play on the same level, but we still have this kind of professional mindset in the way that we almost approach the game and look at the game because we've been casting Overwatch League and we've been casting Overwatch in general for so long and the best players in the world. Um, so I think it's very hard from at least our standpoint to 
pick out a lot of those things because i never thought about micro objectives across the map what yeah. if there was a thing that if you if you capped or were in control of a um a small beacon on the map that you got an extra tick on the last point but it was like kind of out the way of your spawn kind of out the way of the defender's spawn so you like had to actually send people off to yeah cap it. no it would, yeah, I was it would fundamentally like a change the whole way that the game is played i feel because yeah, exactly yeah. you you yeah. don't really spread out that much when you play Overwatch. It's quite an unusual yeah. game, really. Like, every other game that I've ever played has something other than team fighting, And Overwatch has some poking as you approach to teamfight, but the main thing you do repeatedly is teamfight. Each other, yeah. Yeah. And it's only at the very tippity-top of Overwatch will you get the... The actual defined play styles of poking we are a poke comp we will use our like hyper range to rotate around the map to stop the enemy from like actually attacking us and getting yeah. to us like stop us from getting like rolled over and only at the very tippy top of overwatch league and like even ranked sometimes um that happens the majority of the time it's 12 different brains that are just kind of all over the place with no idea what's really going on in the grand scheme of things just kind of running into each other over and over again and that is what overwatch is like for 99.9 percent .9 of players there there isn't this finesse which will you will see at the very top levels um of overwatch gameplay yeah it's very the only um the only thing i could really think up with is like instead of like a mini health pack if you could fight for like a small thing like on a flank that like speeds up the payload for like five seconds so like you get like a payload movement speed kind of bonus because someone completed like a side objective or if you're defending like slows the payload down a little bit so it's like oh we can't really contest a second time for point a but if we capture this objective in time then it slows down and gives us another chance or um as you were saying like extra time on the clock or maybe like you pick something up and the entire team gets like a 50 health boost or like something like that, you know, it small objectives. It would be interesting. Mechanic. I believe, I believe it was in Vainglory. I'm, I'm like 99% sure when I casted that quite a while ago now where they had this like global objective. And if you killed it once, was it Vainglory? Oh man. If you killed it once, no, or was it League? I don't know. It was a MOBA. But if you killed it, if you killed this objective once or you capture this objective once, Twisted Tree Line. That was it. The 3v3 version of League of Legends. Uh, Brand might have played it. No. Anyway, there's these two like spires on your on each side of the map. And um, you have the two Nexus, obviously, like you would do. And these spires, if you captured them, uh, you would gain bonuses. So it, if one team had one and one team had the other, you know, you get the same kind of bonuses. But if you captured yeah. both of them, you would gain like a little bit more damage and like a, a couple extra bits and pieces that then the enemy team just don't have. And then they are locked for a certain amount of time and then they open again and then they, you can kind of recap them, which kind of aided um, you in actually winning the game. If you manage to cap both spies, especially in early game, you know, you're doing pretty well for yourselves. You're getting more gold, you're getting more kills, et cetera. And those are kind of side objectives that, yeah, maybe if they were added to Overwatch, they'd work out pretty well. I wouldn't say I mean, like extra damage or anything like that. That would be yeah, ridiculous. But it's a crazy it's idea. It's it's really like one of those ideas that addresses the fundamental core principles of the game. And it's some I, I think it's interesting in that it's even on the table. Not from a developer point of view. I don't think it even is from a developer point of view. There's no reason to believe that it is. But from 
from a content creator that's thinking about the game very casually, it's interesting that that's where his head goes for Overwatch 2. Because a lot of the community narrative before BlizzCon was just, oh, this is just DLC. Why am I paying for this? And yet, the I think a lot of the people that are more invested in the Overwatch scene realize that there are going to be things in this game that feel very different from Overwatch 1. And there are going to be... It is an opportunity for them to take a new look at some stuff. Yeah. I, I think the, it's really interesting. And these conversations that we're having right now, I guarantee you, it's not the first time the devs have oh, no, conversations no, 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 no. about... Um, we're not bringing up any new ideas for the devs. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, but it's interesting to think about, at least. I, I think the concept of like having objectives to fight over is something that's been done for years in first-person shooters. Like arena, sh arena shooters, or like even shooters like Halo, you have the power weapons as objectives yeah. to fight around the map. Like weapons that are really good, or like a power-up, like camo, or like the overshield. <laughs> yeah, or well, Quake. Quake is the best example of yeah, yeah, all Trying to keep map control on a massive map in a 1v1, timing all of the abilities yeah. and, and denying and and access to them. And that's where it's it gets, crazy. It's that's like where it the gets opposite. Distilled down into like, you have to keep a, a knowledge and timer in your head. But, yeah. you know, if you open it up to like a 6v6, I mean, who knows? I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's a really interesting I'm down concept. for micro objectives. I'm down. Let's it do changes, it. It changes the whole game. But yeah. yeah. Let's make Overwatch great about. again. In, in other news, the tournament that's that's going to be coming soon. What is it? The experimental patch tournament. Yeah. They released patch notes, official patch notes for it, which we're not going to go over. We've already kind of done that in a previous episode. But uh, the there's going to be four owl teams so far, at least. I mean, there may be more. We don't know yet. Um, but yeah, Boston, Washington, Florida, and Vancouver have rosters that they're playing under for this tournament. Yeah, they've got weird names, names as well. Yeah, I don't know what the names, names are, but. The, oh, I like it. It's like Puggy. Washington or something? I can't remember. All of the players had like sexy something on their game. <laughs> yeah, it goes, <laughs> it goes against the grain though because typically I think teams have been kind of barred from competing in these lower level I believe events so, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, whether that's been a change recently or not, I'm not sure. It, it might just be because this is an experimental card. Sure. So it's literally not the same as live Overwatch. It's, it's like, like, like actual, it's like a weird fun game mode. That yeah, yeah. Presumably there's money on the line. If Matt was here, he'd tell us, but I don't know the specifics of it. Yeah. Um, I think this is interesting. And I think if this paves the way for our teams being able to play in tournaments in the future, that would be awesome. Very good for the scene because that is a fantastic way for lower level talent to get noticed have a good performance in the tournament against an owl team i think it's only beneficial there were the argument against it is kind of like inherently when i guess the concept of franchise leagues in the overwatch league was set up and proposed i guess this kind of rule was in place to prevent these teams playing in the first place so that you didn't really undermine i guess the premier product i think so yeah uh, but I think as time's gone on, the benefits just outweigh that kind of risk. I agree. Completely. I so absolutely agree. If this, if this leads now to our teams being able to compete in these tournaments and actual like having these teams that amateur teams can aim to knock down to prove themselves, to showcase their skills, I'm all for it. Especially if it happens during the off-season. Mm -hmm. if, if, if it happened sometime, like say a month after the grand finals, and okay, maybe not all of the Overwatch League teams enter some big tournament in the offseason because some of them want breaks, some of them are rebuilding, whatever. But if if you put together some of the rosters that you have still, like players that you're still keeping under contract or make some kind of mixed team to participate and some contenders talent comes in and whoops these owl teams, 
they're going to get signed for next season. So it's not a case of these guys, the contenders teams are better than the owl teams. It's the case that they are going to become an owl team. Maybe not the whole team, but those players are going to get absorbed into the Overwatch League. Yeah. And I think that would be really exciting for people during the offseason to have not just Gauntlet as its own separate thing, but some kind of mixing ground however you could make it work logistically during the offseason as teams are making moves where you got an opportunity to see how contenders talent matched up against our talent and really get a feel for who could make it and who could be elite if they were picked up and i think also that's just a great scouting tool as well yeah john so tweeted hard. in response to uh this mislead uh tweets about the rosters as well I mean, it's kind of ingenious. Uh, if we have a panel buff tracer to 175 HP, teams can do a preseason event without worrying about revealing their strategies, which is sort of hinting towards that, like, one season with Nate Nasser where we had preseason matches and they, like, just swapped off the roles and, like, they'll probably do it the same thing here again. You know, they won't take it too seriously. But at least the teams want to play and, like, they signed up and, they're, like, they're going to do it. So um, I hope that they'll put on somewhat of a good... <laughs> that's that, that's that a good it. image. That ain't <laughs> it, but, you know... Maybe that one was saved by Wall Street bets. I don't know. That's another side story we don't need to talk about. But um <laughs> That's that's Mr. X watching our podcast here when he's not <laughs> when he's not on it. Jesus. Um, yeah, but it's that's like a preseason event, which is fun, which I don't think it intended to be, actually. But well, I mean maybe some of it was. But I don't know. It's just good to see teams sign up and we'll see Overwatch League teams before the season starts. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. I mean, there it's it a great it's a great point as well by John. Like the, these, that's part of the reason I think that they are allowing Overwatch League teams to participate is because it's going to be so different to everything that you see in the season. Like this is, it's a fun tournament, not in the sense that teams aren't taking it seriously. They might take it really seriously, but you ain't never going to see Overwatch like this. This is like yeah. <laughs> two turret tour, baby. This yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's mini century Torbjorn. It's 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 cool. It's a weird state of the game, but it's it's an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, moving on. The bit of unfortunate news that came out this week was that there was a bunch of layoffs within Activision Blizzard Esports as they were restructuring around COVID uh, and obviously moving to an online format, an online world with COVID around. Um, so yeah, unfortunate news within Activision Blizzard Esports, of course. Um, and they kind of detailed, I think there was an article that detailed kind of like some of the justification towards it as well. Um, from what I remember, where they were talking yeah. about kind of prioritizing a move away from live events, which doesn't, again, necessarily mean that they're moving entirely away from live events, but it does mean that obviously for the foreseeable future, because I mean, even best case prospects, if you're looking for like a projection of the future of when live events properly return with crowds and everything else, it's a while off, even still. Um, and I mean, some, some places have jumped the gun a little bit or some places locked down early enough where it's still a thing, but ultimately for the model of esports that's being ran in, you know, Activision Blizzard, it's, uh, it seems like they're focusing more and more online. Yeah. Which it, I'm not going to lie. It worries me like this. When I read this article, it worries me. And, and I mean that separately from the, um, from my, condolences towards people that actually lost their jobs that's always sad and i know that there's not everyone has announced like I, I don't have a full list of exactly who is not working at activision blizzard esports anymore but i know some people 
uh, like for example, some of the observers that got let go, yeah. that I was really big fans of the work that they had done within mm. the scene. And I am very sad to see them go. And I'm sure that even the other people that I don't know personally, I, I, I mean, I feel bad for them too. But on a different level, I'm also worried about the general idea of this because if you scroll up, one of the first paragraphs is that they're they're planning for a future. In an interview this morning with the Sports Business Journal, the Esports Observer, um, they said they're planning for a future where its business will look different and less dependent on live events. And whether that's a short-term move or a long-term move has not really been explained yet. But there was also an opinion piece, I think it was an opinion piece anyway, by Inven Global where they were saying that this appears to suggest that homestands are not going to be like the the prior model that was sold by Nate Nanza at the beginning mm-hmm. of like homestands being a big thing and this is what the entire league is based around. It seems like they're planning for a future in which that is not the case. And it seems like it's more like the 2019 when there was four homestands a year or something like that. Which Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see because uh, it's so hard to predict, right? But yeah. we can all agree that four is too little, right? We want more homestands than I four would want more. because that's electric, right? But at the same time, we have this example. And again, I'm completely separating this from the layoffs. And like we all four of us here on the podcast, we know people who we care about and has had like relationships with and like at length conversation with that like lost their job. And it's really sad. So I'm not like... It, when, I, when I'm talking about this future plan, I'm not referencing that in any amount or like talking about that. But we had this situation as well where it's like, okay, well, four homestands is too few events. Like we want more than four homestands events. And like the interest was there because like those events, like people showed up, they were ecstatic, like, oh my God, like Overwatch, this is awesome. But then we also had a situation at the Blizzard Arena where it's like, sometimes like people just didn't show up because like we had so many events in los angeles yeah. that like we had attendance fatigue so like you, you need a model that is probably somewhere between that it's like maybe every overwatch league match ever shouldn't be in person like maybe we'll get there but right now it's hard to see how we're going to pull that off and like then you have the thing with like arenas and like you know it's very complicated so maybe a good there would be a good middle ground i again i don't i don't know what their plan is i don't have any insight whatsoever but like i hope that we see home stands for like the big events or like the big matches and like stuff like that but maybe not every overwatch league match all season long have to be in person sure i think there's a good middle ground somewhere i hope they lean more towards live events because i haven't been at a live event for like fucking two years like since <laughs> overwatch world cup 2019 or something i, I can't remember but like i love live really? events and like i want more. well was it world cup yeah, did we do world cup was. 2020 no we didn't because no, there was no world cup 2020 so yeah and I, I was doing, I, I wasn't at a live event last year because I did it at the studio yeah, the or I did it at home. And like, yeah. I, I, I miss the audience, that you know, sucks. like, yeah. I, I think I speak for all four of us. And like, it's way more fun to work in person with like a live audience and yeah. just like have yeah. that electricity and like, honestly, oh my God, listening to some of my cast, best thing ever. It's listening uh, it's to some so of my cast in New York and Washington versus some of the, I wouldn't say earlier cast from COVID, but as the months kind of got on, I was like, man, it, th- there is such a difference. When there I was is an enormous kind difference. Of, yeah. I mean, I, when you take a pause, because 
you don't have to say anything at all because yeah. all you can hear is the crowd anyway. And then obviously when the players like erupt too as they win and stuff. Oh man. Mitch, Mitch like said your in casting that in improves it, yeah. so much too. In his video that Mitch put out, Mitch was saying he was pumping crowd audio, which I assume yeah. is just random crowd audio, yeah, random crowd noise. into his headset when he was casting the finals. Yeah. Just Don't to try him. and... Wish I did that. Try and capture some part of the feel of it. And I agree with you as well. I would go into those games, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to like give it my all, but it's just you're not in the same mental place. There's not the same yeah. gravitas to the match. There's not... It doesn't feel the same in any way. And it's hard to bring that same level of energy when you can't see other people have the same uh, response to the match. Yeah, the like when, when people sit at home, I mean, it's the same when you go and do anything. But I mean, like, I sit at home and I watch comedy. And I'll, you know, I'll occasionally smile or like I'll laugh about something shuffle. that happens. But if I go and see live comedy, it could be 10% as funny but I'm laughing way more because yeah, you're yeah. there. You're with them. You're making a human connection. You, uh, and that's perhaps less when you're watching an eSport because when you go to a live event, you are watching a TV screen rather than human beings, but you're with other human beings and the energy is infectious and you feed off it even if you're just in the audience. And that, that all translates the entire way through. And I know for me personally, I'm not excited for a future of esports if it trends online. Yeah. If we get to a point in esports where it's more financially sustainable to hold everything online, or not everything, but the majority of like regular season games, and this doesn't just apply to Overwatch, by the way. If this shit yeah. happens in Valorant as well, where things continue to like online games are, are the way forward and there aren't big regular LAN events, and you know the majority of the year is just online play i'm not that interested man i really am not just to give a just to give a separate ex example didn't like henry g win like broadcaster of the year from esports awards and then quit and was like yeah sorry like I, I was not in the business to do online shows like an entire year plus because like it's not as exciting it doesn't get me psyched to do my job so like that's an outsider example as well not someone not in overwatch or yes. on plat chat it's like you know, some people who do broadcast talent or even play, like hell, even the players, like some of the players get in because they want to travel and they want to compete at live tournaments, like yeah. on stage with fans, etc. It's not as fun if you're just yeah. sitting around online, joining a lobby, sitting in team speak with your yeah. teammates. Like, yeah. so yeah. this applies to everyone. We all want more live events, but I do think that there is a middle ground where it's like we can't have every Overwatch League match played in person i don't think that's as sustainable um yes and, and that's what it comes down to as well is it's the the financial landscape for esports is is changing when people when fans think about esports they don't really realize the finances behind it but esports has essentially been a massive um a massive uh investment for the future from the very early early stages where people are losing a shit ton of money to run big events or to have big organizations involved or, or whatever. And the monetization comes down the road. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like it's been one big startup company for, for years and years where maybe small portions of esports, the organizations try to be profitable. But in a general sense, there's just a lot of venture capital being dumped into the scene in order to reap rewards later on once the... Um, once it gets big enough that you can monetize it effectively. 
And I feel like we're getting to the point where people are starting to really heavily think about the monetization and the sustainability of it, rather than just trying to grow, 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 grow. Like at some yeah. point, once you've done the growing, you have to turn you have to turn a profit back. You have to see a return on the investment that you've that you've put in. And for and across esports right now, I'm seeing more and more people thinking, how do we pivot into a way that is that that gives us some additional revenue or cuts the cost while still um having that growth or keeping the viewership the same and i think a lot of people are gonna i think we're gonna return to a lot of online play because it's way cheaper to run i mean like leagues cheaper to run people have no idea how much it costs for an event space to to just run a big live event or yeah. the, the the blizzard arena was I, really I expensive be, yeah I would not be surprised if, like, I mean, I don't think it's controversial at this point. I would not be surprised if, like, we saved money by, like, running online last year compared oh, to, like, holding all those home stands with the teams, etc. Like, you know, financially, you know, I'm sure everyone was excited to, like, hold so many home stands, etc. But, like, I would not be surprised if, like, we saved money by just, like, doing it online and, you know, doing all that stuff. Yeah, so, and, and, um, and I think a lot of people, I've seen this sentiment in the scene being like, well, if the Overwatch League isn't going to do home and away broadcasts and sell tickets all the time, then how are the orgs going to get, how are the orgs ever going to make revenue? But that fundamentally misunderstands the way that sports business works. You don't make most of your revenue as a team through ticket sales for events. Events are expensive to run and ticket prices often don't even get that back. It's about putting on the broadcast and and profiting from the brand awareness and like the eyeballs on the product as well. Ticket prices might be a, a portion of that, but if you look at how sports works, the ma vast majority of it comes from like broadcast rights and sponsorships, into, and which in itself is fed from eyeballs. So if you can keep viewership high whilst minimizing cost, you actually can yeah. still get sustainable business. You don't need the homestand model. The homestand model was like, wouldn't it be cool if we did something that no one else had accomplished before? It was wildly ambitious. So yeah. it, it's going to be a really interesting time moving forwards for not just Overwatch, but a lot of different esports. But I mean, because I'm inside the Overwatch scene, it's the one that I'm most interested in. Yeah, I mean, you definitely nailed it there. I mean, we're about to wrap this up, but I have a few more things to say. You definitely nailed it there with the broadcast rights, right? Because if you go entirely online and like most of it is online, naturally it will be less hype than in-person tournament events etc like you just think back to like some of the csgo majors like in person they're just way more hype they're so yeah. damn cool and it naturally brings more hype i don't think you can argue with that so you know if you just run most of it online then viewership probably going to decline that means cheaper broadcast rights and revenue deals which means less money for the teams so you definitely it's in everyone's best interest to strike a balance where like you maintain that hype grow the brand of overwatch league so you can get more money and more money returns to the investors so like i don't think it's all just like well you know just cut all the costs and we'll be like financially viable it's like no you need to strike like you need yeah. to strike they're like i don't know what the saying is yeah like strike, about, strike the difference you know where fair. where it helps everyone yeah so yeah. it is complicated and i hope they reach a good conclusion and of because, course depending on the yeah. success of overwatch 2 a lot of these plans could change because if Overwatch 2 blows up and it's the biggest game in the entire world, then you're, you're going to want to do more shit. But in a more reasonable sense, if it's like 
moderately successful on the global scale, you might want to scale up a little bit. If it's if it's if it does worse than expected, you might want to keep it things at the same level. A lot of things are still can be changed in the future. I mean, Activision Blizzard esports laid off. Or, or was it Activision Blizzard themselves, not the esports department? Laid off a I bunch of people was... like a year or two ago and then hired back a bunch of people a year later as well. Yeah. And there was like a bunch of confusion around why they even did that in the first place. But I think it was to do with a company restructuring or something. I don't, I don't know the exact specifics of it. But I mean, just to reiterate your, your previous point as well and what Mitch was saying during the video, like the, the I really hope the live events come back. It was literally my lifeline. And last year fucking sucked. Like literally walking into a, a, a tiny room and just speaking into the void was not very fun. It wasn't a reason that I personally got into doing esports. I still um, need to release those secret videos. Secret, I say secret videos. Um, uh, when uh, when I was tearing down the PC, um, and or was I? I think I was just sending some files off or whatever to Overwatch for when we did recordings for the MVPs. Right. I found some test videos from when we first got the PC. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to save these. I'm going to use them for later somehow. And um, I've got three videos of when you were testing the setup, but the audio was just scuffed. <laughs> like, it was so bad. And it, it was just you. And there was Jake as well. And, like, Kurt was <laughs> kind of there too. And it, and it was just you going in a really, like, deep muffled voice this is the test for the audio it just looks so <laughs> stupid i gotta yeah. put those on twitter or something i was gonna use them but i'll just i'll probably just whack them on twitter this week it's oh, they are so good. stupid God, i was like man just you thinking about like um going into that small room because it's interesting how obviously we had that spare room in the house but that became such a like an integral part of uh, like the Overwatch League broadcast because there were so many of us in that house. Yeah, that one um, that room. were on Overwatch League. That one small room, like it was so. T- it wasn't that big, and it was <laughs> a struggle to get the, the big banner the up and stuff. Yeah, and that's where oh, man. me, you, Jake, all broadcasted from. I mean, when Custer yeah. was living with us as well, he was upstairs. Yeah, but... like it's to me, it's kind of nuts to think about like us doing the bro- going from the live events to them being in that very small room where the air conditioning didn't really work <laughs> and it was really hot and stuffy and we had that really janky desk and then we're like a, a box for one of the monitors to stand up and i'm like man this looks this is yeah i mean that's terrible. it just wasn't it just wasn't it it wasn't the reason Jaws yeah. first taste of the big time as well after casting contenders oh it yeah. felt real good man felt <laughs> yeah. real real cool it's, it's, although i is... will say when we did the homestands for the first few weeks my god like i think new york i always kind of say this when someone asked me like oh was your favorite cast of overwatch or like all time whatever i was like probably the new york homestand which is the first one i did i was mega nervous jumping on that stage man and with yeah. um with mitch and matt obviously too I calm my nerves a little bit like you know having the big dogs here with me but at the same time i'm like getting up there damn i'm like shitting myself and i'm always you're always going to mess up your first time when you're doing that kind of stuff and it's i've been on big stages before not in like tier one products but like i've done big things and like i did a vainglory world championships in singapore i did the finals for that it was in this big like theater which was sick and i've done like big live events before but having it being overwatch a game i really do love and (laughs) getting up there i was like 
I'm going to mess this up somehow, but it was like an absolute blast. And then obviously as it rolled on, when we did Washington too, that was super fun. And yeah, then yeah. instantly into uh, into COVID was a bit of a, oh man. It's so this awesome. This fucking sucks. First year in it, baby, let's go. And we get hit <laughs> with the fucking bullshit. And now I'm in this small room. Like, I think Oof. everybody did their best though. Oh, there it is. And I, yeah, there it is. Whoa. This is one of the city. matches I did. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was great. Um, can I just say on the before- there he is. Wow, look at him. So full of passion. God, I got more jacked and... as time went on, didn't I? Christ. <laughs> got like more a whole compared as to time that previous on. body. Are you, are you bigger than that now? Oh, I'm humongous. You haven't <laughs> seen me, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen me in a, about a year, I don't think. I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm jacked, actually shredded. Yeah. Just um, like, what were you going to say, Johnny? No, I just wanted to say before we left the topic that, you know, we talked a lot about the uh, the aspirations and uh, future vision of the league, etc. But just like about the layoffs, it's like it's very incredibly sad. And like as I mentioned yeah. before, like we all know people within the company who got laid off, lost their job, just like showed up to work and just like, sorry, you're, you're not working here anymore. And especially it's really tough. Uh, you know, we're at the tail end of the pandemic, I'd like to say, like more and more vaccines are being shown to bodies every day, which is good. So hopefully by summer or fall, like, we'll sort of be back to normal. But still, we are in a pandemic, and, like, people losing their jobs is obviously very sad. We all know someone who lost their job, and we wish them all the best. I would say that a lot of people have gone out on Twitter and, like, posted if they got laid off, and, like, they're looking for jobs, and these are people with very good skills, good yeah, resumes, very and are good at what they people. do. So if you're hiring, like, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but if you're hiring or, like, you want to spread the word, please check some of those people out on Twitter and, like, spread the word, help them get a job and uh, help them get some money. Uh, for example, I know, um, I-, I know one example who you know, uh, lost his job and like he, he had two, uh, two new kids this past year. So that's super tough, right? Um, so I wish that he gets a job quickly and uh, as long as well as everyone else. So um, it, it's tough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the final topic then of the, of the, of the night. Mm. It's not nighttime, but mm. I mean, it might be nighttime if you're I, watching it. I actually wanted to interrupt your introduction of Brent's Player of the Week. Oh, God. Because, oh, hello, that went Ooh. all purple. There. That was lovely. Um, That's cool. Because someone on Reddit did a compilation of all of your Player of the Weeks. I know. Oh. And they were going to be the follow up, the run up to it. So that was the. Oh, you the, ruined it. But, but oh, no, that's okay. Oh, it's a good way to bring it up because I've got it up here. Oh, good. No, um, no, go for it. They came into my it. chat the other night and they have made a complete <laughs> list of all the Player of the Weeks of every episode with a bunch of other stuff. Why? The reasoning did everyone, everyone like, like that? It? I love really. the column. Did everyone like that? <laughs> Was it's it Overwatch so related? Yeah. Um, and you can see the standings. There's a standings page as well. So thank you, Archer on the Beach, as well, for, <laughs> for making this. Let's, let's take a look at this. So, leaderboard, top of the leaderboard, yep. the scientific community, <laughs> I mean, in some form. Can you blame me? Unbelievable. I don't think so. The scientific community is doing so much for us. So, but you have you have given it more to um, to owl players than any other group. You've given it to nineteen owl players, which is a miracle, an actual you, you, miracle. You think so? I don't know how yeah. you've given it to twelve talent because I don't even think we employ twelve talent. Do we? <laughs> there was multiple. I times, got it twice. Right? Oh, right. I got it Somebody twice. Got it minimum. twice. Right. And then um, nine non-human winners. 
Yeah, I don't. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I gave I it mean, to a meme once. I, I remember to, I, yeah, 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 Gibraltar. Given to a meme, given to the scientific classic. community five times, given to the Gloucester <laughs> Rugby Club. One. Yep. Uh, presumably I, multiple listen, others. Listen, the player Ooh, of the week all stars. It's my little thing, and it's it evolves over time, and, yeah. it, and it has changes. And it, you know, it went from it went from a big, big period of time where I'm reading a lot of scientific articles, so the <laughs> scientific community got it a lot. Uh, and then, yeah, and then, and then there was that. Then you can tell the point the point of time where I've stopped looking at social media because no one from Overwatch got it <laughs> from that point on. Yeah, I did love um, that actually. So now I've had to start getting like my discord community to send me suggestions because <laughs> otherwise i'm just i'm oh lost God. i'm empty head empty but this week it is going to be going to our first ever three-time winner zoe schwint Whoa. for the recent charity stream she did i believe ah. for the gamers outreach and i think she raised over ten thousand dollars that's crazy dollars for the gamers outreach uh, this weekend with her stream so zoe congratulations on the three-time uh three-time award now currently leading in the standings actually really? just below the scientific community <laughs> but i'm sure at some point you will catch up it's only a matter of time but yeah well done to zoe for yeah. these charity streams big big honestly just yeah big proponent for using your platform in any sort of beneficial way mm. um which which she did here raising a bunch of money very good yep. nearly as good as the entire scientific community just on her own yes close the combination close. in fact of zoe and achilleos is equally as good as the entire scientific community so far. Yep. At, at this point, I feel like the scientific community deserves it more. Well, they've the scientific community's done a lot of cool stuff. I think they've done a lot over the past uh, two thousand years. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it's a weekly thing. Who knows? Maybe next week they'll get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Maybe they're looking. Who represents the scientific community? Uh, I Can mean... my shrimp get it? They just had babies. Shrimp? No. Shrimp. Um, yeah, my little no. blue dream no. shrimp just had babies. If you have a baby, we'll give it to you. Yeah. We'll give it to Mitch when we he had a kid. We'll give it to Mitch when he had a kid. Probably should have given it to Ash, really. She did I'll the give, I gave it to Bob. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> that okay. probably yeah. would have been a better idea. Yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah, I, can't, Jaws. I can't imagine I'm going to do that anytime soon. But uh, no? Well, I'll you never know. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll catch back in about a year and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, thanks for watching episode 79 of Plat Chat Overwatch, everybody. I hope you enjoyed your stay. If you did enjoy your stay, make sure you follow our podcast channel. What, what comment do they have to write? They have to write um, what... If you could invent one flavor of ice cream that doesn't Ooh. currently exist, what would it be and why? There's a lot of flavors of ice cream out there. Okay, but if, well, if it does exist, then just tell me what your favorite is. <laughs> that's a lot less creative a, but but if there is one you want and you think wow that'll be really good then yeah put it put it up mm. um and ham and uh, pineapple pizza ice cream that sounds horrible and we'll see you next time thank you very much for watching wait team previews are coming as well soon i don't know uh thursday yeah. saturday yeah <laughs> see you then